That's it. You like it? You you sold it properly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good morning, everyone. Good, good morning. Welcome to Kyle and Ike to Conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's a new day, man. Happy it's, Sunday, everybody. It's a Sunday. It's a Sunday. It's early. It's early for these two gents. It is early. Yeah. But it's good. <laughs> do you want to do the intro to the guest, Ike? Oh, sure. You invited okay. him. Well, we both we're going to go there already. So first off, I just want to say, did you recognize the instrument on that intro? Uh, it sounded like a recorder to me. Yes, it is a recorder. We had a, a recorder episode, and oh. <laughs> we talked about how fucking stupid it was that the recorder is the one instrument that every child has to learn. Required. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then they take it home, and it yeah. like, murders everybody for however many months. And so Kyle brought in his recorder from elementary school. Yeah, nice. it's behind you right there. And that pleather <laughs> sleeve up Knock, on top. Knocking it out. Huh? <laughs> so he had the... Still got add, it. Add a, little, <laughs> add a little fire to the intro. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, today, our guest today is Mr. Derek Ramnerace. Ramnerace, is that pronounced correctly? Ramnerace, R- but we're Ramnerace. in Wisconsin, so whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, hey, that's a good point. It's like that high nasal. It's actually Ramnerace. It's two two words. Um but my grandfather is uh, from Trinidad, and his his dad was from India, and so when he went to the islands, the British like, you know, you'd be like, "It's Ramnaresh," and they're like, "Ramnaresh, all right, cool." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they they did that with my grandfather when he came over from Norway. His I got his first name is Ingemund. And that's oh, my yeah. first name too. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But when he came over, he said, "What's your name?" He says, "Ingeman." He says, "Okay, you're Ike." <laughs> so, <laughs> so then they called him Ike. But he held on to the name, but he always went by Ike. We were just—I was actually just joking um, yesterday about the—I call it the Porky Pig thing, where he tries to say like a bigger word. Oh, but he's, like, he's like, "That's crazy." That's been a long fucking time since I heard some Porky Pig, man. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Sorry. No, that's great. I love it. I love it. That's nostalgia right there. No, that's awesome. So, Ram Naresh, right? Ram Naresh. Ram Naresh. Okay. I don't know. I'm not trying to be a dick or murder your last name nah, or anything. No, nah, it's... It'll I, happen. Well, it like... Because I've, I've not known you since I lived here, but I've known of you since I moved here in 99. And um, uh, you have... In inadvertently or advertently stepped in and out of the some major moments in my life just because you were playing music at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been like all I don't know how it works out, but like just always did. And uh and then I have a high appreciation for your your mind as well as your musical talents because like Thanks. we've had some great conversations and and uh I just like the way you think. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how much of that thinking you're going to be yeah, able to pull just, off this morning. It's but. pretty easy, man. Just don't sleep. and <laughs> <laughs> Then the ideas Keep flow, running. Right? Let someone <laughs> ask you questions and say things. <laughs> no, Power, it's powered by caffeine. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, that's why, uh, that's why I thought, it, well, for many reasons, above and beyond my selfish reasons of wanting to have you in here, <laughs> um, you, uh, you spend a lot of time um, and energy giving back to this community um and in more ways than i think i can count on 10 hands you know that's a lot not many people i know that give as much to this community as you do well i i appreciate that i'm sure there are i could probably list uh at least 10 or more 
um, that, that do, that are tireless. But, um, you know, so in 99, when you moved here, mm-hmm. I moved away in 2000. And when I left, I really didn't have the greatest um, kind of view. My experience, you know, I wasn't giving. I was I was not in a great place in my life. And when I left here, I was like, I'm never, never coming back to Baraboo. You know, and I was pretty dedicated to that. And, and, you know, I had, I went to New Mexico and when I came back, I was in La Crosse. I came back to Wisconsin just to have Kaya. Um, I was like, I'm not going back to Baraboo. I went to La Crosse and, you know, we ended up starting this band and we were touring all the time. And we kept, you know, every time we drive by on the interstate, I'd see the sign, I'd be like 15 miles that way. Uh, you know, but I just never came back. And then when, Years later, I, after I quit that band, I moved to Madison, and I started coming up to Devil's Lake. And that's kind of what got me back in the area. But then when I kind of started noticing a lot of the, the shifts in, I think there's, I don't know, just the overall community seemed to open up a lot more. There was a lot more of a, um, an emphasis and a place for the arts. Um, not that it wasn't there before, but it was almost like more of a, exclusive little thing that um that 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 has changed dramatically now to the point where i feel like the community at at large i mean you look at like the bare rocks and the mural paintings and and just a lot of those aspects you look at like um kind of the shift from the concert on the squares used to be just big band Mm. you know what i mean and they're doing a lot more diverse stuff with that as well and so there's just so many things about this place that i you know, I had a closed mind about it when I left, and when I came back, I found that a lot had changed. And the more that I paid attention, the more I realized I was wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, were and, you were you wrong at the time, or or did it just change? Well, I I think that I was probably missing that that was probably already starting, but I wasn't open. And you to were it. young. I was young, and I was you know I was still in a chaotic place of. You know, I didn't have kids and I didn't have responsibilities and mm-hmm. I was very irresponsible yeah. even, you know, so. The the, the uh, investment you had in into the community was very different. Yeah, I mean, it, I got a ticket one time for loitering in a park. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm like, yeah. that's all I think that they're for. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, there were things like that where I just felt kind of singled out and, you know, I was... I've always been kind of a vocal person. I just didn't always have the best things to say, mm. you know? And so, um, how old were you when you left again? How old? I was 24, 24 when you left. Yeah. Back in 2000, 25. Um, yeah. But then, um, coming back, I mean, not only did I, did I notice all these different things, but also now I, I have kids, you know, at the time I had Kaya and, you know, I saw <clears throat> more of, and, and like this, the Boys and Girls Club didn't exist. There was there's, there's just so many things that suddenly, <clears throat> I think, greatly improved this area. Mm-hmm. And to have my own kids and have that mindset going back into it, I felt an obligation maybe to just, you know, try to help if I can to make it good for them. But then also mm-hmm. just in general, they I think about how many things I wish, you know... I. I can't go back and say I wish things were different because I'm happy with where I am in my life. But at mm-hmm. the same time, there are a lot of opportunities that are afforded to the kids in this community now 
that weren't there as resources yeah. when I was a yeah. child that sure. I wish I had. Yeah, you, know? you can look back and recognize what you didn't have back then, and you and you say, I have the ability to help with that now. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... And, it, you know, having your own kids and seeing them benefit from that stuff, too, it's really... Um, it's cool. Having kids changes everything. It sure does. It changes every fucking thing. It was like... <laughs> Two, I had two phases of kids too. You know what I mean? Like, my my younger kids are at an age where I, I have the benefit of seeing where some of my parenting choices may not have been <laughs> the best ones, or however, yeah, or this worked and that didn't. Apparently, or you know, obviously each kid is different in how they interpret and output yeah. is you know going to be a, a separate scenario, but. <laughs> they're 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 a real good mirror for your parenting skills. Well, it's so. something though, isn't it? It's like <laughs> ten years in, we started having other ones. We're like, well, this is it's like the first pancake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It gets better. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, and you know this now too. Kyle doesn't have hasn't had this experience yet, but as they get to be adult ish, the relationship changes so much. Oh yeah, and it's. Like, I loved my kids when they were really little, and in the middle, I felt like I was dealing with my kids, and yeah. then as they got older, the relationship is so incredible. It's um, to, to have a in-depth conversations, to see them start to understand all of the things we talked about when they were younger, and to see them fall down and pick themselves back up, and it's really impressive. It's, it's, like, it's like, holy fuck, I think, I think I did all right. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm... I'm I cannot say enough about my first pancake. <laughs> and she's, uh, you know, she's she's an amazing person, um, but you know, and talented. It's I'm just I feel incredibly blessed and fortunate. And they, you know, they left. They took their year, yep, and went down south. And they came back. Their year was up, and they're like, "All right, we're done. We're going back home." So um, they wanted to come back sooner, and I was like, "Please don't. Like, I miss you, but." you need to experience other places, kind of immerse yourself in it and really spend some time um, in the muck of it, as it were. Mm -hmm. Don't just go sightseeing and then come home and say you saw something. Um, But, um, yeah, it's, I really, uh, I just, kind of funny because um, my friend's kid was asking me yesterday downtown where my, my young, my son was. He's like, where's your kid? And I was like, which kid? And then Kaya walked by. I was like, I was like, oh, there's there's one of them. And she, he's like, that's not your kid. And I was like, no, that's that's my daughter. And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah. In fact, if she wasn't here, if she wasn't the way she was, you wouldn't even know my other kids because they wouldn't exist. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I would have been like, this is hell. There's no, <laughs> no way. That'd but, have been the end of it. You know, I'm very fortunate though. Like with her, we always we've had a very um, kind of open dialogue throughout her her childhood, which, you know, maybe it, I think at times there were times I questioned whether, you know, what kind of truths or realities, what kind of curtains do we want to peel back yet on right. these, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to be able to keep the, the mystery and the magic alive, I guess, a little bit. Um, but, like, in her scenario, um. I don't know. She just, she's always been a very down to earth person, very understanding of things. And I've been able to explain things. And, and you're right though. It is amazing to, when you see them have these epiphanies and to, you know, these, like we can say it however many times we want, 
you know, but until whatever experience leads them right. yep. to that answer, to that realization. And then they can turn around and we, just, we don't have to say, I told you so. Yeah. You know, no. we just, and, they, and they're not going to say, <laughs> you told me so. Not for a little while anyway. Yeah. I think the first time I told my dad that I think I was 30. When I was, <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, shit, I suppose I had to tell him he You're was right. right. <laughs> I think I, I called my mom one night when I think Kyle was like five or something. And, um, she, she was having a fit about something. I don't remember what it was, but, oh, I, I she was, it was just going to bed. And I remember we, so we, I would read to her every night and, her her grandfather had given her this like kid child's Bible or whatever, and it says these like simplified stories of, of the Bible or whatever. And Kaya was being a punk and she wasn't going to bed or whatever. <laughs> and we're like, okay, we're not doing this, we're skipping this, we're not reading tonight, and this yeah. and that. And she kept getting up and doing this and that. And I was like, you know, put her in bed. No, we're not reading. And then she I go in there and she's like flipping through books and she happened to be holding this this kid's Bible. And I was like, no. Take, and I took it away from her. And <laughs> I was like, get back in bed, whatever. And I'm sitting in the living room. And all of a sudden, I hear my kids screaming. And we live in an apartment building at the time. And my kids screaming, I want my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what are these neighbors thinking? Like, these guys, you know, won't let this kid have his Bible or her Bible. Or whatever. But uh, I remember calling my mom and being like, hey, uh, I just want to say sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's it right I there. My moment of breakdown was to, I was either going to freak out on my kid or call my mom and be like, I was horrible. <laughs> yeah, you get that realization. Only you now. Know, when, you're, <laughs> when your kids are toddlers and then they get a little bit older, it's like, was I this that big of an asshole? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. My mom makes it a point all the time to be like, I told you one day you're going to have a kid just like you, and I couldn't wait till it happens, and now it happened. So there you go. Deal with it. You're welcome, Mom. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and now you think about, okay, so I have to deal with the teenage me now too? So, yeah. Yeah, well, I can't wait for that. It's it's awkward because I tried – I know like in, in my scenario it was like I wanted to – you know, you want to be the person to set these guidelines and stuff too, but at the same time I – I understand the value of failure. I understand, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so like that was a really hard thing for me to learn was how to not swoop in and how to, you know, just that's, let it happen. Yeah, man. That's it, a, let, let it go. Watching and, your kids eat shit is hard. It's it is. hard, man. You don't like, yeah, you know it's coming. Mm -hmm. You already told them and yeah. they, they should know it's coming, <laughs> but yep. You yeah. know, it's like that first time you see your, my kid, he's, be riding his bike with his shoelaces untied. It's like, oh, fuck, this is going to hurt. And I'd be like, tie your shoes. And he'd be like, I'm fine. I'm like, you should tie your shoes. I'm fine. And it goes into that chain, and it's over. And yep. it's like blood, scraped knee, hit the head on the ground, and, and he's screaming and crying. And it's like, mm. yeah. all right, come on, get back up. I was like, I don't just tell you my opinions <laughs> trying to save you here man yeah, that's your opinion man <laughs> you know what I mean? this could happen in an alternate universe or whatever yeah no I was, that's i i explain to my kids a lot you know how how many times i've messed up mm -hmm. you know yeah and i make clear to them like i'm not telling you because i think i'm telling you because i definitely could happen it did <laughs> yeah you know and, yeah the but, things i tell you not to do i, I did those things yeah. <laughs> how old are your kids uh three and one wild so, yeah nice i always yeah, i think it's funny a lot of people have 
I was actually just talking to my daughter about this because, you know, um, I just feel like it's like my birth control talk. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, so a lot of people have, you know, when they have their first kid, they, tr- they usually have another one if they're going to within the first couple of years. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't really know any other way to describe it as like a state of trauma <laughs> that we as parents yeah. live in, mm-hmm. in, in those years, you know? And I was, I was talking about the, you know, not just the, um, aspects of like just the intensity of our own personal life change but how it affects relationships as well and why you see a lot For of sure. people she was she was talking about a friend of hers who had they had two young kids and they were getting divorced and mm-hmm. you know yeah. and i was like it's really she's like they seem perfect and i was like they probably are except yeah, you know got, they, got these they have no moments at all here's this person right. that you did all kinds of cool shit with and now you don't do any cool shit and when you even have a moment to be alone together, you're like, I probably have shit on me. <laughs> <laughs> don't touch me. Yeah. You know, type of thing. I haven't had a shower in three days. Yeah. You know, yeah. so there, there's this, um, you know, everybody's a, a trauma patient in the, in the parent ward. And, um, you know, I think it takes its toll on, you know, relationships in general. Every relationship and, in your life. Yeah. From, from your spouse to your best friend, to your family, to... Across the board, true. You know, yeah. it is. It's like, who do you call in the middle of the night when you're losing your shit and you're covered in shit, and yeah, and it's just like, yeah, or you don't see your friends anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, dude, you want to go out? Oh, that ain't happening. Yeah, <laughs> call, call me I then. do. I can't. But yeah, I <laughs> yeah. It's like I'd love to, man. You want to come over here and have a beer at my house with my kids screaming and we're watching Baby Shark on TV? It's like, yeah, nah. Yeah. No, I think I'm a, I'm good, man. All right then. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, yeah. that's the offer that's on the yeah. table take it or leave it yeah. yeah nobody wants to come over during that time no uh-uh. well then you got to be quiet too can't stay past eight and if you're past eight then we got to go in the basement see quiet. i had a different approach on that because i was like i had this thing i i moved when i first moved to lacrosse i we had a house that was like i don't know like two blocks away from these trains that, and they go through every like half oh. hour I okay mean, it's, Mm. It, it's a functioning track, you know? Yeah. And uh, it took me a long time to get used to, you know, that sound just constantly waking me up. But after I did, when I moved away from lacrosse, I couldn't sleep because there weren't trains. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was, I kind of wanted to condition, A, I didn't want to live in that kind of anxiety of like t- tiptoeing for whatever. I'm a night person anyways. Yeah. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, my kids are just, they're going to have to get used to, you know, yeah, a door shutting or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe making a song or whatever, you yeah. know, like just having, having noises around. So that's my, uh, my kids have a, their, their niece, um, on their mom's side is super, super coddled. And mm. it's like, literally don't drive by the street because the dog will acknowledge <laughs> oh, your existence. Oh, they know the sound of your tires or whatever <laughs> it's insane it's bad huh and i'm like oh no no you can't you're oh that's no. a bad idea <laughs> yep yeah how old uh she's one now oh okay but you know sarah sarah con oh yeah it's yeah. Her, her oh okay yeah first one right yeah exactly. yeah the first one is always like that i mean not always obviously maybe- no no you're you're right though. Yeah. It's there's a there's a curve. Yeah, yeah. You, by the third one, you're like, oh fuck it, they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> My uh, I remember when Kaya was born. I wouldn't 
when we left the hospital, there was like a car that was like three blocks down coming our way, and I just sat and waited. Safety first, yeah. And then, uh, so then Ari and Asher were born. My friend Rick has kids that are a year um, behind each of my kids, my younger kids, and um, we had like a a split level staircase with a landing and whatever, Mm -hmm. and it's carpeted and everything, whatever. But you know, Ari was at this age where she was just wouldn't stay up the stairs. You know, I'm like told her hundreds of times, you know, stay away from the stairs. Don't play on the stairs, this and that. And then Rick comes over, first kid mm-hmm. ever. And mind you, I already have a teenager right. also. Um, and he is losing it because I'm just, <laughs> you know, this is the learning to let him fail thing, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I've, he's like looking at me like I'm just this <laughs> animal. He's like, why, how, how could you just let her climb around on those stairs like that? And I was like, <laughs> Dude, I can't live in this kind of anxiety. Like the, <laughs> you don't even know. You you missed the two hundred times I told her. Yeah, mm-hmm. and now you're just seeing me being like, "Don't judge me, man." Raising <laughs> eyebrows instead of saying words now. <laughs> well, yeah, she she gonna hit it? Is this gonna be the one? I was like, I hope she falls soon because I. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, but uh, it's funny. And I was telling, her, I was like, "Dude, it's like this." You know, I think the saying is, if you're. With your first kid, they eat a handful of dirt, and you take them to the hospital to get their stomach yep. pumped, right? And then the second one, you're like, you wash your mouth out, and don't do that again. And then the third one, you're like, I don't think I have to feed him lunch now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I, yeah, like, I like that. I like that. You, we, we become conditioned as well. Exactly. Start to realize what really does matter and how resilient they really are. Oh, oh, they're for tough sure. as nails, man. For sure. They're tough. Yeah, I know. When Wesley was born, I was so worried. I was you know, we, we were trying to get him to sleep through the night, and so we're like, oh, let him, can I cry it out? I'm like, if he wakes Lincoln up, I'm going to be so fucking pissed. <laughs> Sam goes, he's going to have to deal with it. And, yeah, he's slept through it every time, so. Nice. Yeah. And now Wesley kind of sleeps. So now Wesley kind of sleeps. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly. Is he, like, how many, how many times does he get up? He was down to, like, once, and now he's getting his, like, molar teeth or whatever. Oh. So he's up to, like, twice. Fucking teething. Yeah. St- you get to experience all that still. So excited for you. Yeah. What are you doing for him? Do you give him those icicle ring shit things that they give? What do you give him? No. What do you give him? Nothing? His finger. What a dick. You're supposed you know, to give uh, him the ice things and numb <clears throat> it out and make it feel good. Uh, no. We had some of those things, but you know what um, I thought was pretty cool was those, uh, I think they saw them at Sally's, but they have those amber necklaces oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah yeah those really helped did they i i'm i swear by them really yeah now he's got stuff to chew on and teething stuff oh well when i was a kid or i shouldn't say when i was a kid maybe when my kids were kids and before that those little icicle things they were sharp as fuck do you remember how they had those sharp edges on them it was like a yeah, a, like they cut the mold and yeah. they didn't cut it all the way off. <laughs> I know, I know yeah, and it's like I remember, I remember yes, my mom gave me one of those, and I'm like, my child can't chew on this; it's gonna cut their like, face off. This will make the pain of the molar seem like child's play. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, they had like sharp edges all the way around. I'm like, they're not gonna stick that in their mouth. We're gonna uh, increase hilarious. the rate at which that teeth pops through the skin. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. <laughs> they look like Joker Help sides their mouth are all razored up from the side of that piece of plastic. It was rough. Nice. <laughs> yeah. But nice. the toys they had were, you know, like we had the toys of shit we had compared to what they have now. Everything's been gone through by a hundred experts for safety reasons and 
We didn't yeah. have that. No. You um, know, my son was just recently looking at G.I. Joe stuff, and I was a fanatical G.I. Joe Did collector. you have all the action figures? I had everything, man. Oh, yeah, I had the bases and the every <laughs> chopper and Jeep. And How old are you younger, too? Uh, eight and six. Okay. Uh, so my son is six, and he's he's been he was looking at some GI Joe stuff though, and I was he was like, "Does this look cool?" And I was like, "None of this is cool, man. It's all like <laughs> <laughs> it's like this. These guys are all wearing orange. That's a bad thing if you're in the military, you know." Like, yeah. uh-huh. so there's like all these things about it that I was like, "They don't have the same swivel arm, man. Yeah, you know, they like, don't have the same gear. Yeah." So yeah. the whole thing, I was like, "Listen, man." Army people are supposed to be, you know, green and or, you know, whatever the the sand camo, yeah, the camo, the, yeah. yeah, the snow camo, but not any sort of not bright, hunter, not hunter orange, yeah, no, uh-uh. like that's like crossing guard. That's not the military. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the new hero of the. But G. it's G. weird. Joe I was line. I was shocked. I was like, literally, all these toys. Um, huh. My kids got into GI Joe when they were about that same age, but they like I I found them the legit GI Joe, yeah. yeah. From back in the day, like the ones I had, and and that's like it's fun to take a little trip back in time with your kids when they're digging the same shit you dug when you were a kid. I I had moments where I was like, am I am I forcing my kid to like something for the purpose <laughs> of me reliving it, or you know, what I mean? like, just steer like them in the direction? Are you sure you don't like this? Because we're getting more anyways. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cool. Just saying. Check out what I got from Amazon this week. It's the, the new snake eyes. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dad, we've already got three snake eyes. I, yeah. I'm 17. See, I was never. I was never a GI Joe guy. I think I just I was in that age group that it just wasn't a thing anymore. So what did what did you, did you do? Any action figures? Yeah, you? I was like uh, Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I was oh, just yeah. gonna say mm-hmm. you seem like a Ninja Turtles. Ninja guy. Turtles. Yeah. I, I, Power Rangers might have been a thing for a little while. Mm-hmm. See. That faded quick Ninja Turtles stay forever. I miss the Power Rangers phase. Uh, my son has a bunch of them and um, doesn't really care too much about them at this moment in time. He's into Transformers though, yeah. and that's we've we've connected on oh, that. Yeah, one. man. Yeah, Transformers that's are cool. Fucking awesome. Like the actual toys that actual tra- actually transform. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are back in the day. That's some engineering. Yeah, to peel those things apart and make them all go back together. Even now, looking back at ones like he has ones that I had when I was a kid, mm-hmm. like the actual yeah ones from way back then. I got it like Vinny's or Goodwill or something, mm-hmm. you know. And um, yeah, I'm just like this is amazing. Yeah, did you have the cassette tape that was the the bird? Yeah, dude, that's that, so fucking awesome. Is that a bird? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was a bird. I remember having a cassette tape, and I remember, um. He's like, who's who's the Megatron? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he's like a totally different thing now. But when I was a kid, I remember he was a gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was in yep. like a nine mm-hmm. millimeter. And, they, and there was other. Anyways. Um, so I was trying to explain that to him. I was like, oh, and then this came around and he had this cannon on his shoulder. And <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So we went on a mission trying to find those. And I found them on YouTube. Oh, sure. We, we couldn't find them in the stores. Uh I, I mean, I think we saw some on, on eBay that were, like, unopened in $2,000. Yeah. yeah. We're not doing that. So. That old nostalgia, like, old games and toys, <clears throat> it's incredibly high price. It's 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 amazing how much that shit costs. It's actually, when you, when you made that joke about 
um, we already have three and I'm 17 or whatever, <laughs> 19. Um, since Kaya was young, I have been kind of randomly picking up Pez dispensers for her. And <laughs> she currently has a collection that is well over 3,000 Pez dispensers. What? It is insane. 3,000? I'm telling you, is it man. Are they in totes? Like They're in totes and they're in bags, and many of them are unopened. I have a lot that are like collection packages or something. Like wow. Like Finding Nemo came out or something, you know, and just like throughout her life, though. Uh-huh. So it's kind of an interesting, it's, you. I've got some really old ones, but then there's also some that are definitely like the map points of her life, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? I mean, sure, yeah. as these things became relevant or whatever, Shark yeah. Tale and, you mm-hmm. know, um, but it's, yeah, that's one of those things where um, we don't touch them. We don't play with them. You know, it's not like anything like that, but it's just a, an insane collection that I think you know, until she was like 12, she thought it was cool and then didn't give a shit about it for many years. Mm-hmm. And just now that she just came back and I just kind of showed her, I was like, look at that whole thing up there is all your Pez things. And she was like, whoa. Like, yeah. The magnitude wow. of 3,000 Pez yeah. dispensers will hit you hard when, you, when, you were, when you're an adult. Somebody shared something on, I don't know if it was on TikTok or some shit, but anyways, I was, I saw this thing. It was like, I've been doing it wrong my whole life. And it shows this guy open a Pez dispenser. He pulls the thing out and he takes the candy and he like puts it in the bottom and it closes the thing and the wrapper falls off and he opens it. What? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. So that's exactly, I was like, wait a minute. So anyways, so I dug up, I went up, I got into the Pez, busted (laughs) one out. And I was like, this doesn't make sense in my head. Yeah. And so I, Felt like a fucking moron when I found out it doesn't make sense, and they were just faking me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, tell me of this sorcery. No, I know. I was like, I was like, I, I saw watch them do it. I don't understand it. <laughs> it's like, I gotta get into this. And myself. now you have a bunch of crushed pez. Yeah, no, it didn't do it. it. The funny thing is, is that like, so I was like, I feel like a moron, but here I go. I'm about to push it down. And as soon as I did, all that happened was the sides bent, you know, like the <laughs> yeah, little right. flimsy sides that would, um, yeah. And I was like, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> I just knew right then. TikTok, you son of a bitch. Yeah, that's like Pez are like. You have to. Okay, I'm trying to say this correctly here. What other candies do you have to like pre-game in order to eat? Right. Like you yeah, have to sit there meticulously load that clip. load that stupid <laughs> yeah. thing, and then you try and get smart and you put like seven or eight. Oh yeah, and then they're on the floor, once, and then you go pop. Yeah, and they, then they fly, fly over, out. and they're all yeah. there. No, it takes effort to eat Pez. Yeah, really initially, does. initially, yeah. then you just pop. Yeah, then you pull that fucking Spider Man Pez dispenser out of your pocket, and everybody's like, "Whoa." Right there. You guys want one? You know, flip it out. We have. Uh, <laughs> she has a Pez dispenser that holds the entire uh, bar of candies. Yeah. So instead of opening one and putting one in there, it holds all of those. Oh, okay. So you stack those things. It's, it's huge. It's like this big. Jesus. Yeah. Nice. You pop it open. It's got all of the full unopened. So it's like. You really. If the you, case for if the you Pez want, that go in another case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We got force-fed sugar as children. Yeah. Every every opportunity there was known to man was like, hey, give those kids some more sugar. It Can- was insane. Candy cigarettes. 
Yeah, mm. candy cigarettes. Remember the good old days? Yep. Yeah. Candy. Remember those? <laughs> I think it had a big old eagle they, on the front. They used to have these fucking tubes three feet long of pure sugar. Yeah. And you just like suck on it. Yeah. And you suck it down. They still like, have those. Really? Yeesh. They're like giant pixie sticks, right? Yeah. 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 Big plastic tube. Yep. So where... Um, it's not BPA-free plastic either. I guarantee you that. Yeah, you're right. chewing on it. <laughs> where um, Quick Trip on the east side used to be Kluge's gas station. And I used to go to school at East School. And he had a little arcade in there. Really? And uh, he had a wall of penny candies. It was penny like candy Rolls. Yeah. And, you know. Penny candies were the best. Um, yeah. So it was like the coolest thing, though, for like... That was basically like all my friends and I ever did with our money when we were, you know, up to like 12 years old, maybe mm-hmm. uh, 10, 10, 11. But yeah, it's like you get, you know, five bucks for mowing a lawn or something. Yep. And you got yeah, a loaded. big fat bag of candies that you're sharing with all your friends and whatever. But um, yeah, I look back at that stuff now. I'm like, I wouldn't let my ki- like. If my kids go to a birthday party and come home with like a grab bag of candy, mm-hmm. I'm like, you can have one. Yep. Give me that bag. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. They wouldn't self regulate. And I know that because I didn't. <laughs> why, why would they? Why, exactly. It's crack, man. It's like, right. oh, just give me more. Give me more. It's like, yeah. no, that's like on Halloween. So we had this thing on Halloween where it was like, okay, Halloween night, do your thing. But after that, it's over. Yeah. Like, you know, so they just eat, like, all the candy they could ever eat in one night, and then they don't want it for a while. Yeah. And then, then we just kind of, either I'd eat it or I'd yeah. go away. But it was like, it's like in people today, fucking Halloween, they give out so much candy now. Yeah. People love giving out huge, like, candy bars. And it's just yeah, I was like, going to say, they got to give the full-size candy bars because yeah. you got to be the house. Yeah, exactly. It's a whole different That's time. That's too much. You mentioned Candy cigarettes in Sock. I grew up in Sock. They used to have, it was called the, the Dime Store. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they had all that kind of shit. It was the, the Walrus can- or something? Yeah, it was the candy cigarettes, the gum cigars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the gum cigars. Yeah, yeah, that was the place. Those, those things were, those cigarettes were just chalk. Yeah. Yeah, you blow on the end, a little dust comes out. I think those were the bubble gum ones. The gum ones. Yeah, the those gum ones, too. yeah. They had white ones the, that came in sticks. like, yeah, and, they, and they break. Yeah, yeah. And they actually, I think that's all they call them now is candy sticks. Oh, candy so st- that's oh, the only sure. difference. <laughs> of course they are, yeah. And I'll bet you. Change the box up I'd be willing bit. to bet they have them over at Just Imagine. That seems like the sort of thing they would have. Oh, they probably there. do. Yeah. I think they the do. Candy yeah, sticks. They do actually have, they, I think they're called candy cigarettes even. Really? Todd, Todd's all for that nostalgic kind of shit. Yeah. Yeah, I think they are. Maybe. Yeah. Actually, he just gives the kids cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> chew on this. Just kidding. Just kidding. You can have this, but you can't have a lighter, so just chew on it. Yeah, did you guys <laughs> did you guys ever get the little loads you put in your folks' cigarettes? Absolutely, those were the best. Yes, Boy. yeah, it's a little load you would you would go into your parents' cigarette box and you'd put one in the end. They'd light it and it would explode the end of the cigarette. Oh, I my. remember we uh, we did one to my aunt, and it was like at Christmas time or something, and you know we were all like I don't know ten years old in that. In that general range, yeah. and my cousins and I, and we're all like shit eating grins behind the chair, yeah, like looking so around, like she's smart. gonna do it, she's gonna <laughs> light it. And uh, and the thing popped and blew up and scared the shit out of everybody. I actually, looking back, I'm glad we didn't give anybody a heart attack, but um, <laughs> but then she relit it, 
<laughs> she's got skills, man. She's yeah. un- unflappable. She relit it and the fucking thing blew up again. No way. Yeah. Two blows? Yeah. And nice. uh, split it like a banana, man. It was <laughs> amazing. I've never seen these. Oh, they're, oh, they're incredible. Well, we, they probably, do they make them still? I think they still make them, but it's, it's a gag. You gotta you, find, you gotta, yeah. yeah. It will, how many people actively smoke now compared to back then? True. The number of smokers is way less. Yeah. And like back then, everybody in your family smoked. My yeah. family anyway. Like yeah. in, inside, it didn't matter. Yeah. Were, yeah. It was, so it was just like, yeah, it's, it's a. It's actually insane if, like, I was just recently talking about, well, I went, I went, we went out to see, um, some friends of ours at Ho Chunk, and we the the conversation came up about what it's like as a performer, um, you know, working in that that kind of environment or whatever. And I actually went out there just before COVID uh, to see Blacker Brothers Band. I saw mm-hmm. they were playing there. I was like, I got to go check these guys out. You know, I haven't seen them in a while. They're friends of mine, whatever. And uh, I walked in there, and it was like. Everybody was smoking three cigarettes at a time or something. It was just insane to me. Wow. It, it was, I was like, bleh, bleh. and I got thinking about it. I was like, man, we used to do four plus hour shows every night. Yeah. Not only in smoky bars, but we would be smoking. Yeah. On stage while we're playing, you know, like the, the thought of that now scares the hell out of me. Yeah. It's, it's unheard of. I, I just can't even imagine how, mm-hmm. you know, how we did that. Why we did that. <laughs> That's what everybody did. I do. I remember when they introduced that band. Um, I thought it was hilarious because it was like the it was like July fifth or something. Oh yeah, middle of the summer. I remember that. I just remember being right after Fourth of July and being like, "We're celebrating our freedoms." Just kidding, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so so grateful as you know as as a person just in general as a parent and as a as a performing musician uh i'm so happy that you can't smoke in, in indoors in businesses like yeah. that anymore yeah I so think, not to cut you off i'm sorry yeah, no. i was gonna say so you're a musician so we haven't even really touched on that at all so that is you you are a musician do you do anything else yeah yeah i do all kinds of stuff <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a renaissance man of sorts <laughs> I mean, I I started kind of diversifying in in ways like just by acquiring gear and learning how to run sound and, yeah. and do some lighting and stuff like that. So I got hired in, you know, to uh, to do some fashion shows. And through the budgeting for that, I ended up buying lighting, investing in lighting. And next thing you know, then other people are calling me because they need lights, and I they know I've got them or whatever. So I got into doing more of that kind of stuff. Mm as well and then i also was getting a lot of offers that i couldn't do and i have a lot of musician friends and a lot of people who um i saw potential or talent in that that maybe didn't know how to book themselves or how to go about the process of playing a a gig um even though they had the, the ability to do so they just didn't realize it so i started being like no i can't do that but you know who would be really good for mm-hmm. this particular spot. So I tried to find, like, think about who would be right for the right room and, yeah. and and set it up for success for the venue, for the people attending, and for the musicians, for the owner, you know, all that. And um, through that, I kind of I got more involved in in doing booking to the point where it was just trying to help my friends out to 
next thing you know, I've got like legitimate places being like, Hey, can you just handle our whole yeah. series for us? And you know, stuff so like you that. So you kind of got into more of the event side of things. Yep. I started doing, um, and I've always really loved the idea, the aspect of what, uh, the community of music, um, the community provides as far as, uh, like there's a kind of, a elements to our life that other musicians can totally relate to that not even anything really special. It's just random stuff that like, like a plumber, other plumbers mm-hmm. would know yeah. if you see this kind of tape or whatever, you know what right. I mean? Like right. that sort of stuff, you know? And so there's something really kind of amazing about being able to be together. And, and, and plus we have a lot of friends that we don't get to see if you're playing all the time. Um, and they're playing all the time unless you're playing shows together, you know? So I have friends of mine that have bands that have like come and gone and I never got a chance to even see them. So mm. I started trying to, you know, organizing festivals and other sorts of like art shows and, and ways to, to bring us together to be able to see each other's bands and support each other. But also there's um, just collective energy. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that the idea of having a number of creatives in a, in a, space uh it it elevates just the energy of that space to you know it's inspiring and so yeah i do a lot of uh, booking and event promotion event production um you know all that sort of stuff as far as then COVID hit and i had to learn how to do you know i had dabbled in some other multimedia fields but like i had to start i had to learn how to live stream yeah which was really really awkward for me i and but through that i poured myself into and i got a little more acclimate acclimated with video and video editing and um you know getting really high quality live stream audio and and kind of taking it i want i just didn't want to do what everybody else was doing which was just setting their phone down on a table you know and so um the idea was to try thinking about better angles and um, you know, actual camera angles, actual lighting, like mm. actual audio. I don't want to, there, there are musicians who I know who are incredibly talented, like the most amazing lyrics, the most amazing music and, and, and everything's just great, but they don't think at all about shit like that. And so it's like, I'm pretty sure you just played the most beautiful song I've ever heard in my life, but I'm not sure because I was just staring up your fucking nose. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, and and suddenly there was this floodgate of that going on. And I was like, okay, a, we, you know, when you've dedicated your life to this thing and you've worked so hard and all of a sudden everything's wiped out, you, we were put on square one right across the board with like, with like, a waitress who wasn't dedicated to music at all, but now suddenly didn't have work and, but had a guitar and played a couple of times and their live stream. And I'm not saying that that's a bad, I I think Mm. it's great that that happened. But at the same time for us who have done this as our dedication, Mm -hmm. there had to be a way to separate a little bit from the past. It's it's a platform you hadn't used. No. And I, and to be completely honest, it was really, really difficult at first for me to, um, you know, well, I mean, you've you've been to enough of my stuff, and it's not, it's not like a rehearsed thing. It's it's all moment exchange energy. You, f- you feel, yeah. So when my it. my walls just weren't mm-hmm. giving me anything back, yeah. you know what mm-hmm. I mean. And yeah, so it was very awkward to 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 not have that exchange. Um, but then I started doing them, and it was like it was cool. 
um, you know, I was like literally setting up a full PA in my living room and then having just my phone to get to the point where then I was like, well, I don't need to have a full PA. I can just use this smaller monitor. It's still picking it up and da, 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 da. And then pretty soon I learned how to actually interface and get real clean signal audio. And to the point where then I was just using little studio monitors just to make sure. And then Mm -hmm. got to the point where I was just using headphones just to check and then throwing them off and just literally playing like I was just sitting on my couch. Well, yeah, it's like literally like like I would be if I was just like hanging out in the living room Mm. anyways. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was, you know, a little journey within. But um, so you found a way to make it look very natural even though you sounded amazing still i tried to yeah i mean and the other thing was that it through that process in just a few months um i went from being like a stranger in a strange land feeling super awkward and self you know like i don't know i was like really insecure i had i was self-conscious of like am i popping in am i you know, like mm-hmm. there's, there's all these things. I'm like, I'm not sure if it's coming through right. Or you, you think you've got something set up and then you listen to the playback of the recording later. And you're like, oh shit, how did that happen? You know? Mm-hmm. So like I was always not in the moment at first for a while. I was like, I was doing it, but I was thinking about all these potential failures that could be happening at that moment. And then um, by within a couple months though, I remember when I went back out and did my first gig in public, I was like, Oh, these people need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I know, suddenly yeah. I couldn't hear my voice anymore. I had mm-hmm. to like yell and I was like, oh, I better get a monitor out now. God damn it. And I remember like, seeing you play at Konamichi and you you were in the back and you're like, Yeah, it's it's cool. You don't have to listen to us play music. <laughs> and everybody's just fucking it was loud as hell in there. And you were just like, Yeah, that's all right. Nobody's playing music in the corner. Don't worry about it. Here's my next song. <laughs> it was just yeah, it was. I remember that. Yeah, it was strange too because there was, you know, like I'm not, I'm not like some freaked out. I mean, I'm not an idiot, but I wasn't like not sketched about the whole thing. You know, I was trying to be careful and yeah. you know do be respectful to others and whatever. But <clears throat> and when we're on, I mean, you know, to be honest, I was bringing extra monitors and things just to create like a barrier. You know. Oh yeah, in yeah. front of the stage yeah. and. um I remember this, you know, this dude coming up and he like stepped over my stuff, which that right there, I'm like, I would punch you right now in the throat, send you backwards. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I was like freaking out a little bit about that. And the guy's, you know, he was just trying to shake my hand and be cool and say, hey, you know, like he's very supportive of what I was doing. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, like literally and physically crossed the line yeah uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're, you're in my space bro yeah <laughs> and so i like after a couple times i made an announcement on the microphone i was like listen let's just clear this up right now it's just so everybody knows where i'm standing on this um let's just pretend for a moment that there's not a pandemic going on now in that scenario you're never supposed to go on a stage unless you're supposed to be on that stage you know unless somebody's booked you to be on that stage you don't just walk off out of the audience onto a stage anywhere right so oh but then you add in a pandemic and you're a fucking asshole 
Like, just stay away from me. I don't want to shake your hand. I'm really happy you're here. I'm really happy you're there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, mm-hmm. stay away from me. Please, let's... If we want to enjoy this, we you have to use your brain also. Mm-hmm. You know? We're not in the clear right now. We're kind of testing this out or whatever. It right. felt like at first to mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And, um... Yeah. So then, And then, ironically... In that scenario, because I insulted him in his mind in front of the crowd, he needed my acceptance. So he kept trying to come back up and mm. be like, no, I'm sorry, bro. And I oh, was like, sure. oh, my God. <laughs> so I was like, Jesus Christ, I wish I could go back to live stream in my living room. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> but <coughs> Excuse me. But, yeah, I mean, there's – Anyways, yeah, I do a lot of different stuff. Yeah, man. So <laughs> I have to ask, just because you brought it up, like, as a musician, when you're playing a gig, like I'll take this weekend, for example, people are walking around, they're looking at things in booths, and the musician that was playing, he was kind of just background music. Like, what's your mindset is that? I'm like, I'm assuming it's cool and you know what you're getting into in something like that. It's not disrespectful for someone to keep, like, walking through and... Yeah, no, I mean, I think that um, we know different gigs are different gigs. Right. I mean, you. so if that were happening while I was playing at, like, the High Noon Saloon or the Silby or something like that, I would be like, what the fuck is going on yeah. right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you can't take yourself too seriously, number one, and in those scenarios, I think they're made for that sort of thing. And... um I don't know. I, we're, we're, I still feel, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time and I've done it on a very large scale and I'm doing it at a, you know, we balance between big shows and these blue collar paying yeah. gigs, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, um, I, I feel incredibly fortunate still like every day, every gig that I get to do, I'm, I'm just incredibly grateful that that's what I get to do. And we have scenarios and there's always going to be random you know, douchebags and, and things that come up, but you're going to find that in any line of work that you mm-hmm. do really. And if you, if you choose now, I've seen this happen before and I, it may even have happened to me where I try like get annoyed per, and personally chastise somebody and it comes off in a way to the rest of the audience. Like this guy's a pompous dick. Or something, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, there's a, there's a balance in that too. And I, I have to add like for my own sanity, I think you, ha- as with anything, you have to choose what you're willing to you know, like if this guy continued to come up on the stage and the venue continued to not do anything about it, probably have. Oh, issue. yeah. But, you know, I said my piece and that's that. And, I, you know, I wasn't like furious the rest of the gig because of that one thing that happened yeah. or whatever. And um, so, I mean, I that stuff doesn't bother me if I, I do a lot of random background music type gigs. Yeah. Well, I, mm-hmm. I mean, even for the club, like pancake breakfast or something like that you know you're sitting there and you're jamming out and you sound beautiful and then people are just fucking eating pancakes yeah like they're sitting around having conversations eating pancakes and i always feel so bad see like as just a person i'm like oh man like i don't know if many people are listening right now but this is great well it's it's it is really interesting because you know a couple weeks ago we did this gig it was like a Thursday night to 3,000 people, and the next night we played to, like, 25 people on a Friday night, and we're yeah. like, what the fuck is that? And um, I guess maybe if you're only used to one or the other, then sure. the opposite sure. is yeah. confusing or whatever, but I think it's important to 
maintain gratitude about what it is that, that it, we we do get to do without getting a big head about it because if if all you're doing is the the big shows um you know it's easy to forget and that's one of the reasons why I like doing like the art in the dark shows and stuff too where you put we put these people who have never played out before mm-hmm. right alongside us people that have been right alongside with people that have been playing for a really long time and we sometimes forget what that energy of what it was like to get your first gig, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when you're not only are these new up and comers able to kind of witness how we handle ourselves and conduct loading in, loading out, just random things that you do to not be an asshole to the rest of the scene or whatever. But also we get to see their enthusiasm that sure, believe it or not, re-inspires and, and, and kind of re-sparks that thing. But there's a genuine pureness to that new energy. To yeah, that new absolutely. experience. It's I mean. unbridled, and I haven't, you know, mine has not gone away. It gets clouded mm-hmm. uh, by just the woe is me's of, uh, you know, any any time you take on a job. Yeah, any industry, any job you do, there's going to be that bullshit. And especially if you've done it for so many years, there's stuff that gets a little, uh, yeah, I got to do that again. Yeah, and there's some things that, that I've just, I, I've learned to say no to some yeah. things, mm-hmm. but... I'm I'm not so into myself that I, I put me in any situation. I give a shit. If you want music, therefore, I would like to make that happen for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that yeah. um, the opportunity that exists in any live performance, any live um, situation, I mean, you never know. You never know who's going to be there. It could be something that could be a catalyst for you, for your own next move, but also you never know who it could be a kid who's like, inspire Holy shit, like I could play a guitar. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, that kind of stuff means, uh, a lot to me. I'm, I'm way into, um, these new, these people, these new talents that are like coming up and finding, you know, they have these incredible lyrics or this incredible voice or can really play this instrument but they don't understand that, you know, it's, you always look so much bigger on stage, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden here we are and we're, you're actually taller than me, you know what I mean? <laughs> type of thing. So it's, it's one of those things where you just try to, you know, I don't act like anything's out of place. I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah, you could do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so um, those opportunities oftentimes come in some of those scenarios like you're talking about, like, pancake breakfast it could be all these people sitting there eating pancakes but it could be one kid eating pancakes and staring at every single thing that i'm doing Mm -hmm. well that happened with Lacey's event i forgot the the young lady's name but she was just infatuated and she was breaking down she was breaking down uh the lyrics and she was trying to analyze what you're actually trying to say through your lyrics and i think she came and spoke to you afterwards she did and i I know exactly you're talking about yeah that was uh i don't remember her name but i actually does she still is she still going? Yeah, yep. Um Yeah, really cool. I really enjoyed talking to her actually. Um really refreshing for me sometimes to I mean, I have kids, but I'm also I have very little faith in maybe and <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe the the mindsets or the focuses of these younger generations and their capacity to, you know, to, to dig deeper yeah. look at stuff. It, yeah. it feels like there's a lot of, especially with social media being what it is and, and everything's like click now immediate, like, right. Yep. And we don't, it's like whatever the surface value is what it is. And that's on to the next, you know? Yeah. And so to, to have someone her age, 
you know, actually have some integrity in her questions and, and some depth to, you know, what she was doing and, and, and her, her, she put herself in a very vulnerable place to me. She doesn't know me, um, you know, but she get, dropped some life truths um, about herself to me. And I, the fact that, that she had that strength was inspiring to me, but also the fact that she, um, that I just through my music and the way that I presented mm-hmm. that, that I, I made her believe that I was somebody who, was approachable yeah mm-hmm. Do you know what for I mean? sure yeah and so it was that was a really good uh really good experience i remember my laughing like you know i've i've been around the club yeah uh, over the years <laughs> so i'm familiar with kind of what's what's going on but my piano player leo had never um uh, i mean he's he's a young he he's a kid. he was probably in a club himself a couple right. years ago <laughs> you know what I mean? how old is he he's uh 20 now okay yeah so, but he's he, i mean he's young but yeah. um you know, we're, we're, I think it was supposed to be outside or it whatever. It was supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. So, so it got moved inside. So it was already different than what I had already told him. So he's like, what's going on here? And da da da. And so we're, we load up the stairs and, um, and we walk in and, the, you know, we're in the boxing ring. Yeah. <laughs> we put him on the boxing <laughs> you put ring. put him on the boxing <laughs> ring. That's awesome. So no one's stepping over that shit. He was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and, uh, and there's all these kids and cops. <laughs> yep. it was like there were a couple of cops wandering around there uh-huh. leo's you know not like we're worried about anything but still it's just like what the <laughs> fuck are we doing to be clear not cops like we had cops like monitoring situations it was like a cop and kid thing yeah, yeah no yeah, yeah. I, I i figured it was like they were in a, in a not a professional capacity they were hanging out with the kids yeah yeah no, yeah, 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 yeah they yeah. weren't like busting anything up yeah. they were just like <laughs> they were like doing a hand job you hear that yeah, man so. you hear that what's it what, what's going on up there we should go check that out <laughs> But it was that was a funny one, um, and I don't know. It wasn't. I don't. I don't think it was a bad performance or anything like that. Um, but it was. It was unusual. But honestly, uh, that conversation was the highlight of yeah, the whole for thing sure. for me. Uh, yeah, very yes. cool. When did you decide that music was like your thing? Do you remember that? I mean, music was as long as I can remember. Yeah. I, my earliest kind of memories about what and my infatuation with music was uh, I had a 45 record of Still Rock and Roll to Me by Billy Joel mm-hmm. that I wore out like four or five times. There used to be a place downtown called Vodex. It was Radio Shack mm-hmm. eventually. But, uh, yeah, I had to go there many times and replace that record because I just played it out. I mean, I would literally play it all day like you just the thing would pick up and start over and pick up and start over you know <laughs> yeah and um and then uh my aunt uh lisa fichter was working with the radio station i think around the time i was nine ten years old and she hooked me up with a bunch of cassette tapes of uh i know like paul simon's graceland i think had had just come out um poison uh, open up and say ah. Yeah, man. I'm I'm, I'm putting the, I'm that's, dating myself. No, here, right? but that's beautiful. That's I open up and say ah was yeah life changing. Yeah. So she turned me on to a lot of stuff um, that I started listening to, and 
I also remember doing a, I was doing a siding or a roofing job with my stepdad. It was actually, he was doing the roofing job and I was picking shit up off the ground and throwing it in a dumpster, but whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I was on the ground and he had asked me some, I don't know, they played a couple of, couple of lame songs in a row on the radio or something my dad yelled down he's like hey just go get a tape out of the car put some change change the music or whatever and i just grabbed something and i put it in and it was uh it was the moody blues uh on the threshold of a dream was the name of the album and it was like a concept record so it played one song played into the next into the next oh, it was this okay. whole journey you know really and i'd never experienced anything like that before and i was like what is this fucking sorcery like what is this <laughs> this is crazy these guys are telling tales like but it felt like like a journey you know what i mean yeah. and it changed everything for me as far as um my understanding of like my pop sensibilities and you know things mm-hmm. like that and, like the idea of what expression could be and that you know not that there aren't formulas but that there doesn't have to only be formulas do you know what i mean mm-hmm. right and yeah. that so that changed a lot for me but and and i would sing along to everything i was really really passionate about music but it wasn't until i was i guess i was 17 when my dad gave me a guitar. I played piano a little bit, just dabbled on like shitty little Casio keyboards and stuff that I get, you know, but never got good at that. I got a guitar when I was 17 and um just started plucking at it and um did you get lessons or did you just self-taught? Self-taught and you know, that's I I go back and forth a lot on that because I think it would have been I could certainly see where the benefits of lessons would be at. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also feel very fortunate in the fact that I didn't have any lessons because that's how I became a songwriter. I didn't know how to play anybody else's stuff. So I had to make up my Mm. own stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of where I started finding ways to put things together and, and structure songs in my own ways, you know, and um, you know, play these things that I, I, I mean, at, Early on, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know anything about music theory at all. And not that I really do now. It's just, I just found, I'm just uh, well more aware of the fact that these things that I don't know actually have names to people who do mm. know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas before I was like, I reinvented the wheel. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I just created fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, um, my understanding now is that, you know, if I do something I'm like I don't know what this is, but it's pretty unique, and somebody tell me, you know, I work with enough really, right. really talented people that that do know that stuff that can that can fill in the gaps. And uh, but I think by not having lessons, it it saved me from taking an equationary approach, maybe to it. Well, there's two different sides. Like there's the cerebral side, and then there's the feel side, right? Right. So, like I know, like with Stephanie in photography, it's the same thing. You know, she can learn one thing from Bill Johnson because he's a very cerebral photographer and he's down to the point megapixels and every little detail, right, right. you know, but then she goes out and she's like, that's not what I do. Yeah. You see this, the way the sun is glinting off of that thing at this particular moment. And right. I just happen to see it yep. from my perspective right here, right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, um, I know, I know some people who are incredibly talented players but they also have uh, so much musical knowledge that sometimes they mail it in. 
mm. or whatever. Mm. It's like, well, two plus two is four. We all know that. Yep. Boom. Mm-hmm. On to the next. And I'm like, what? But, but is it, is it a, like the four with the triangle or is it the four <laughs> with the uprights or is it the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we cursive here. But, you right. know, like so many fours, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. th- it's, it's a lot about, uh, the nuance and stuff. And I, I certainly, I actually have been thinking about taking some, some lessons from Corey Menard over mm-hmm. at Bearwood Music. Cause I mean, a, he's just he's, to this day, he's still just, you know, a, a massive influence on, on my playing and my appreciation for music. But, um, I think he knows me well enough to know where I could benefit, mm-hmm. like getting some pointers and actually knowing why this works together or something like mm-hmm. that. I'm trying to, you know, just through sheer repetition, um, I'm starting to get into doing more lead type of work, but I'm not doing solos. And I'd like to be able to melt a face with a solo. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's as many years as you've been in this to still continue to develop and grow and and follow new passions and new directions within an, a single instrument is really incredible. Well, it's amazing to me that there's only 12 notes in the history of all music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't think it, I don't think anyone could ever stop. As long as you're willing to keep trying, mm-hmm. you will keep gaining. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, now, whether my physical ability is going to be able to match whatever my mental capacity is, um, mm-hmm. who knows? But, you know, I, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, I guess. <laughs> you <laughs> you know hit those roadblocks, you're like, fuck, why can't I do this? Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. And I've I've had some really interesting scenarios where, you know, in that spirit of when you're playing with a group, there's an energy that kind of takes everything to another level. And I've had moments where I've played beyond my ability. I've done things that have been captured on video or recordings where I'm like, how the fuck did I do that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How yeah. did that happen? Yeah. You know, that's and a I collective go back energy. and try over and over and over and over again. And I look at it, I'm like, that's exactly, I see exactly, I can hear exactly, but I can't fucking do it. You know? So that's a strange, um, I guess moment. Is that what they they call that flow? Yeah, you get into a flow state where you're no longer consciously making your fingers yeah. do what you want them to do. They're just doing it. Yeah, it's just time. Yeah. Time slows down, mm-hmm. and every intricacy you have the moment to look, identify, execute. You know, like it's it. It's pure magic. It's the closest thing to you know, any sort of state of nirvana or, you know, I've, I've meditated, I've done lots of other things, but the, I feel like I'm directly connected to the source at times um, when I'm doing music stuff. And in fact, I mean, it's been certainly, you know, I haven't drank in a long time and certainly my, my drinking problem that developed because of, or in thanks to, I should say, uh, uh, music because of, you know, the gigs and getting to get out and touring and doing these things, but, and being irresponsible and not mature enough and prepared to handle that kind of stuff. But 
at the same time, uh, one of the major benefits to me quitting drinking was to have music. The ability, I remember the first time that my band played with like, when I was sober. Um, I, I mean, I, was, I felt like I was levitating. I was just on a whole other level. And I was like, oh, I've done a lot of meditating. I've never reached this place before. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize that I had been robbing myself of that experience by getting drunk at all my gigs. You know what I mean? I was mm-hmm. like, shit, man. Like, I, I have this extraordinary opportunity to do something that people try their whole lives to do. And I could do it every night if I allow myself to. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And if I don't take it and make it very ordinary by just doing the same thing that, you know, everybody else could do, which is just get drunk and then certainly the the level of play deteriorates sure um and the your memory of the experience is right. not ever you know either there or accurate um and the it feels like you're in the moment when you're when you're there but you're not in that moment you're yeah. in this other moment yeah that's paralleling maybe but never obtaining the real that real step does it is it a um a feeling of you're in the moment with everybody else's moment so you're you're more connected to everybody else because everybody's drinking and they're all feeling the same thing and so you're all vibing on the same vibe and and it's like boy would it be selfish of me to not do that because and then i'm having an individual moment with it outside of everybody else so there are there are a couple of different ways I think that that I tend to look at it, and that is that sometimes if you imagine the energy is like a ball, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes you've got you show up to the field or whatever the stage with your ball, mm-hmm. right? And then and with your bandmates, you're kind of passing that thing around, mm-hmm. and you know we have these moments where the crowd is irrelevant to us like we're just playing to each other and that in and of itself can be a real magical connection i mean we're having these conversations without using words you know what i mean and 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 it's not i know a lot of people that they learn to play some guitar and they come up with a riff and they get in a band and they go in there and they're like this is how i do my thing now you do your thing and i'll do my thing over top of that and it's not that it's mm-hmm. this ebb and flow and this give and take, and we're all listening more than we're speaking. Actually, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. And um, and so there's this the opportunity to crash and burn certainly exists, but that moment where you do something beyond your ability or even within your ability, but something that was never discussed that seems to sync up. I mean, harmonies are. Uh, I mean, it's that is to me. I'm not a. I'm not a a big religious person at all, but I do believe, uh, in, in unity. I believe in, in the connectivity, the, the, the common thread throughout mm-hmm. of vibe and energy levels. And, and we all put off what we put off and we all pick up what we put off and, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. all these things. So when, when that, those connections line up and those vibrations come together, it's, it's powerful. I mean, they literally use, the exact same thing in in weaponized ways because it has 
the ability mm-hmm. to knock down foundations and, yep. you know, things like this. And, and on a molecular level, you know, we, we align within ourselves, just within music. If you think about too, the first thing that you ever heard was your mother's heartbeat. So we all have this kind of circadian mm. um, rhythm, rhythm inside of us anyways. <clears throat> and to be able to tap to that is, is something that's very magical, but then also to play, off of other people. So, so anyways, so, so there we are and we're, we're doing this thing together and it's this magic. But then if the audience catches it, right. And they're like, Whoa, check that mm-hmm. shit out. And they start next thing, you know, we're throwing the ball out to them mm-hmm. and they're throwing it back to us. And now we're ramping up this whole other level. And when everybody in the room is on, is sharing in that ride on that mm-hmm. wave, it's, um, I mean, it's just completely. I, I just. I don't even have words to describe the feeling of it. It. it I was a, a gallon of whiskey a day drinker, and I didn't go to AA or anything else. I just quit, and music was like, "Got you, I got you, man." Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean, and it's. I I'm in and around alcohol every single day, and not once have I been like. Oh, how am I going to do this? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it sure. just, it just works for me. And music is powerful beyond anything I've ever experienced and anything I ever think I, I might. I mean, I think the only thing that ever affected me as much as this was, is, was seeing my children be born. And that's as uh, a whole other kind of, I mean, right. Yeah. You know, when mm. <laughs> it's yep. like, Babies are one thing, but your kids is a whole other thing. Yeah, for it's sure. really, uh, but anyways, yeah. Did you notice, like, in your songwriting, like maybe to me, just a layman listener, there's not a difference. But even in your songwriting, or your, you know, just the sound, maybe. Do you did you notice a big difference from when you were maybe drinking versus not drinking? Patience, you, patience, it's patience. It's not needing to fill all the spaces. It's allowing, mm. in fact, with my, with my band Old Soul Society, which I started right when I quit drinking. Okay. Um, the I often describe that, especially early on, if you remember, it was like um, Brittany, Mike, and I. So it was just like acoustic guitar, piano, and these harmonies. And that was it. We didn't have drums and bass and all these things. And we, you know, I described our band as existing in the space between the notes. Like we're we're the weight Mm-hmm. that you know the unseen gravity that pulls it all in or whatever and so yeah to just to feel to be able to be in that moment and and just wait for it and strum it when it's ready mm-hmm. you know and not have to feel like i'm like chugga 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 you know like listen to me rage this stuff <laughs> you know like which you know there's there's a time and place for that but I already lived in that time in that mm-hmm. sure, so. sure. Yeah. Is that part of just a mindset when you step up there that that you're in, you're in a place where where it's not just about you? I mean I don't think I ever think it's just about me. No, I know, but before was it more about Oh. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um Yeah, I mean I had I, I certainly had my my 
dance with my ego and all mm-hmm. those things, you know, and yeah. I had to learn yeah. how to, uh, how to be more appreciative of what it is that I, that I'm allowed to do, you know, like we used to take, you know, you had this kind of a great amount of success at an early age that I was ill prepared mentally, emotionally, and, you know, responsibly for, and, and everyone's just giving you all these things and pushing them at you and getting offended if you're not taking part and, and this and that. And so, um, and, you know, girls throwing themselves at you and all these things. It was like, I was taking a lot. Um, I was taking a lot of advantage of a lot of these opportunities when I wasn't, the epiphany that I had was that music has done so much for me in my life. If I look at everything that I've been able to do and places I've been able to go, um, people I've idolized and gotten to work with, like um, just all those experiences, even just like family vacations, letting my kids pick where they want to go and getting a gig at that place and being able to get free rooms and free, you know, like Mm -hmm. stuff like that, like vacation times and, and how it's affected my overall life in every way it's been nothing but amazing to me. And all I was doing was taking from it. I didn't feel like I was giving anything back to show the appreciation to whatever it is that, <laughs> that mm-hmm. allows us to happen. But, um, but it took me a while. I mean, I had to, you know, I had to, I think sicken myself. I was, I'm very fortunate that I was able to, to find my mirror and to reflect on it all and um you know see what it is and what 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 it can be what it has been all along that I wasn't aware of mm. um but yeah i mean there's certainly a lot greater point i mean i probably still have moments of it or whatever and there's, it's a fine line in this kind of work i i mean i've Ever since I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, I developed anxiety. I never had anxiety in my life, ever. So it's really awkward yeah. for me to be, to have like this social anxiety and to, I've become a much more introverted person, but then to be the front man on the center stage, you know, it's like, what a, what a twisted, you know, backwards, like I'm not that guy. I'm not any different when I'm on stage. You know what I mean? Like I'm mm-hmm. very much just, I'm not, I'm not out there like, Hey everybody, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm still just me when I'm up there, but it's like, I have to, I just close it off or whatever. And then, but then when I get off stage, it, um, you know, I think a lot of people that when I talk to people like afterwards selling CDs or something, they expect me to be a lot more engaging or a lot more personable. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, I'm genuinely grateful. And I don't, it's not like someone's like, oh man, you guys did this thing and it's great. And it's like, yeah, yeah, tell me about it. Tell me how great <laughs> I am. You know what I mean? I'm just like, oh, thank you. That's that's so kind that you took the time out of whatever your life is to to share some positivity in my direction. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll all, it's a fine line between arrogance and confidence, I think. And you have to have confidence to be able to do this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also have to allow yourself to be vulnerable and um try really hard to to just be very appreciative of what what it is that I get to do mm-hmm. and so in doing that um i don't know i don't know what kind of glory conduit feels but <laughs> do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i'm certainly mm-hmm. not the one making this happen mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. so i'm grateful to be a part of it <laughs> you know yeah. when i for me when i listen to you play and and 
people who play like you, the vulnerability, like confidence to get up there, but vulnerable enough to know it's pretty fucking awesome that you get to do that, is like, I feel that. And that's what is the most beautiful, magical thing in the world for me. It's like, probably the reason I listen to you so often for so long is because I felt you're vulnerable when you're up there. And it was like, my kids laugh at me because I like, I watch American Idol auditions at night on YouTube and I fucking cry because these people are vulnerable and it's pure. And it's like, that's like, it's always been the most magical thing for me. And yeah, It, it, it is. I mean, the, uh, It's kind of interesting how you have to hype yourself in those scenarios, especially like I, I don't, I'm not involved in kind of chasing that thing because I'm not trying to be a star, but the, but I know a lot of people who are, and they're super talented too, and they should be, and it would be great if they could get their breaks, you know, in certain ways. But in order to go into those sorts of things, you really do have to kind of hype yourself beyond your normal ego, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, um, but yet not come off that way. Do you know what I mean? But I know people who are, you know, generally really chill people and have done those American Idol auditions and they're sitting uh-huh. in this room with all these other people like, I fucking beat that one. I'm taking that one out. <laughs> fucking, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like this thing that they have to tell themselves because of the pressure of that sort of scenario. Mm-hmm. When you walk up there, if you don't have like balls of steel, you will crumble. And sometimes in those scenarios, you know, they they just see that flicker of your confidence wane, mm-hmm. and that's, you're done. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. know what I mean? See, yeah. I so, love the ones that crumble. Those are the ones that I love. It's almost better, too, when you look at some, I mean, I'm not a, 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 I listen to a lot of different music. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of things, but I'll still listen to it or whatever. And, like, uh. I always like kind of like the story of Chris Daughtry, how he, mm, you know, yeah. didn't make it. Yep. And everyone was like, this guy's, he ended up selling more records, I think, than most of the other winners, that, yep. uh, minus Kelly Clarkson and, and uh, whoever that, uh, I can't think of that blonde girl's name. Oh, Kelly Pickler. No. Not her. her too, though, she did. Yeah, she did good. But um, Underwood. Oh, Carrie Underwood. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um. She's phenomenal too, but, but anyways, uh, you know this guy got booted out pretty early mm-hmm. in the in the scheme of things, and you know he went on to have a really great great career. Mm-hmm. I kind of like seeing stuff like that, you know. Yeah, because I mean, I think what people loved about him is you felt him. What yeah, he's saying real dude. Yeah, yeah. he's mm-hmm. a real dude, and you felt his music. And then, but you know, the, maybe the commercial side didn't want that. They didn't want that. Well, that's what I harken back to all the time. I tell you all the time, I hate like that poppy stuff because I want to feel it, and I don't feel anything in pop. Mm-hmm. Music is really something else too. Like nowadays, my daughter really loves music, and I'm super happy. My my younger daughter, she's eight, and to have her experiencing and developing her own tastes, and to like really, I mean, she knows words like, man, she can yeah. spit back. But I start listening to the words. 
Holy shit, <laughs> you guys. This What's is going on, on fucking daytime radio. Like, <laughs> they're like talking about strip clubs and shit like this. You know? Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Turn on 106.9, I think is the oh, station yeah, yeah, that yeah, she, yeah. she wanted to oh, yeah. listen to. And I was like, you know, we're on our way to fucking breakfast. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's like three songs in a row that we're talking about, like, and even stuff, simple stuff that you would that we would all miss, like Bruno Mars, who I think is great, but he's got this song like "If You Sexy" and this and that. And I'm like, why the fuck are you talking to like? Mm-hmm. And I'm not about censorship at all. I yeah. don't believe in censorship, but I also believe in responsibility and you know, like influence and and stuff like that. And there's you know, it it weirds me out the the depth. Okay, so. <laughs> My kids, there's a song right now called uh, um, Peaches, a Justin Bieber song, I think. And uh, he's like, I get my peaches out in Georgia. And uh, I don't even remember what the, something like, I get my weed from California. I took my girl up to the north. I get my light right from the source. That's the, that's mm-hmm. the line. Okay. okay. Deep, right? Uh, but anyways. <laughs> So I'm like, I get my peaches at the store, yeah? <laughs> I like to get like three or four, yeah? <laughs> and when they're gone, I go get more, yeah? <laughs> my daughter's like, nah, actually, you don't even buy that many peaches. You know? my, son, my son pipes up, yeah, that song's a filthy lie. Uh, which I think is hilarious. They just That's learned awesome. to inc- include the word filthy. Uh, oh, I love it. Via YouTube. But anyways... Yeah, the depth of the lyrics and the stuff and the context. That's why, like like I was saying before, like when I was talking, I can't remember her name, um, but you know who I'm talking about. When, yeah, I, yeah. when I was talking to her, that was an example of reaffirming that I should have more faith. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the depth. That's mm-hmm, the yeah. depth that is expected. And, you know, that's why it's also shocking when you see people like Jason Isbell blow up and you're like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> people are listening. They might, yeah. you know, whatever, but I don't know. That's a really, that's a, I'll forever be offended. And, and I'm probably just becoming a crotchety old man at this point. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> you know, but it is, it is, uh, it's tough to, Oh, it's tough to try to, like, hey, I don't want my kids listening to this shit. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that if they do, I want to break it down with them. Right. You know, yeah, you, I mean? know you can't control it. Right. You know, yeah. So the the fact that you're aware of it and you can sit down with them and say, okay. Just give them the tools to, to make yeah the right, to, to, to be presented with garbage and be able to identify it as garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My plan. <laughs> but it's, yeah. But how, how many how many parents are that aware you know, I don't think they're. Well, that's that's how we've got to this point. Yeah, that's that's how that's how we have people talking about strip clubs and sex and stuff like that on <clears throat> daytime radio mm-hmm. and, and stations that are played in office buildings and grocery stores and elevators and shit. Yeah. You know, what I mean, like in places that are not like. I mean, it's one thing if you're, yeah, kids shouldn't be in the fucking bar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. But yeah. but yeah, I I grew up watching fucking Jerry Springer. Maury Povich, true. You know, All it's right. like it's it's not music, but it's the same shit. 
You know, it's just like you had sex with my brother and my dad and his grandfather, and it's just like whoa, yeah. you know. Well, and it I, is crazy exposure, but at the same time, it is a whoa thing. I yeah, mean, we watched that because it was like holy shit. I know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. My yeah. kids don't know that strip clubs are like holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know they're, I mean? they're just like a strip club. They're it's like, like yeah, we yeah, just hear. It's just it, a word. It, uh-huh. Well, you know what it was. I remember when Kaya and Tyler were young, and. There was a song I I'll I'll never forget the moment we were driving coming from Devil's Lake, and they were about eight years old, and a song by Kesha was on, and I was just driving, turned on Z one hundred four, this yep. normal radio station, whatever, and all of a sudden my kids, I, I didn't hear it from her, just like Charlie Brown's teacher in my mm, you know, yeah, I didn't even catch anything at all, just whatever. But when I heard my kids' voices say, there's a hole in the wall, it's a dirty free-for-all. Yeah. I was like, wait, what the, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. What did you just say? And how did you say it so effortlessly? So, Because they don't know. They don't yeah, understand exactly. what they're saying. They exactly. have no clue. And that's the, it's the, the normalization of that kind of shit that yeah. it's offensive to me. And, and it's, I mean, it's, you're right. It's people not paying attention and just, we would assume that there should somebody else is making sure that the right thing is right. <laughs> we can never assume, but it's that us. Shit. Yeah, it's us. We're the ones. Yeah. So um, that's what that's what the, our society wants us to do is to let other people kind of do the work. You know, we're busy. We got shit to do. Well, and there's you know? there's a. F- I know a lot of really great parents, but I also know a lot of people who I'm friends with who are not great parents. They mm-hmm. they they're. They try to provide and they do the right things and they're they're walking the walk and doing the things. But as far as actually being invested in the all the other things, mm-hmm. you know, like you show up at the communions, you go to the plays, you do the oh, things, right. whatever. That's mm-hmm. one thing. Do you know what I mean? And you go that's to your face work time. and you go to your work to make the money to pay mm-hmm. the bills for the thing or whatever. But to actually get into, you know, that sort of, of shaping and sculpting, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I think is it's not as common as I'd like to see. It's it. difficult. Well, it's hard. It, yeah, it's and we we already talked about the trauma state coming mm-hmm. out of that, yeah. re entering. Uh, yep. <laughs> well, and know. it's the the societal pressures on a day to day life, and like I take like when my kids went to school when they went into middle school, and and my son's like I need a phone. It's like, what do you need a phone for? Like, you don't need a fucking phone. Like, you, you, you know, and, and it's like, I didn't drive him to school. I, I didn't drop him off. I made him walk. It's like, well, everybody else's parents are dropping us off. You know, why, why can't you drop me off? He's like, this sucks. So then your relationship with your kid gets really strained because you're not going to buy into all the bullshit. Right, right. You know, and you're trying to explain that to them. And they don't fucking care, you know. And then the other parents... You see their kids walking down the street with the phone out, and it's just like, you got your kid a phone? He's like, yeah, what are you going to do, you know? And then it's just, it snowballs really fast. And if you have more than one kid, then you're dealing with it on oh. that many fronts. You know, it's it's like it, they're coming at you, and they're different people, and they have different needs, and it's like, it's, it's fucking hard. Well, and, like, they are completely different people, but Asher still looks up to Ari in – in a really spectacular way. She's not been great to him. I mean, she loves him. <laughs> well, that's that's an older sister. Yeah, well, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. I mean, we all we we know the hierarchy. But anyways, uh, their uh, their grandpa just got a new phone. Paul just got oh a yeah new phone. yeah I'm aware. And uh, <laughs> and so my daughter 
got to a place, and embarrassing to admit this because I feel somewhat responsible that I didn't cut this off immediately when I noticed it, but she, it, somehow their relationship got to the point where whenever he would walk in the door, she would just be like, put her hand out mm-hmm. and expect that phone, you know? Yep. And she had created, you know, she had a couple of apps on there and her own made a YouTube channel on his phone and stuff. Mind you, she has a tablet, mm-hmm. right? Um, so anyways, long story short, he got a new phone. She wanted the old one because she had stuff on it. Yeah. It was, you know, she made this video or created these characters, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then Asher's like, well, I want one. Mm-hmm. So Paul dug out his older, old phone, yep. gave him that. So yesterday, I'm downtown doing sound for these bands. I'm literally, like, changing over, EQing out some microphones, like, doing the stuff. And my kids come running up, and they're like, Dad, can you redo our code? You're going to need a hard reset on this, and blah, 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 blah. And just, they want me to, like, reprogram these things. <laughs> and... They were super pissed that I was like, well, also, I'm working. Um, but the other thing that you should know is that they're like, we've got phones. we got phones. I'm like, eh, you just have small tablets. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. They're not, yeah, they're not phones. They're not cell connected at yeah. this point. And, you know, you, why would you want to play on that when you have a bigger tablet that's newer and faster at home mm-hmm. anyway? So, but, um, but, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the I don't know, just the way these guys are – well, they're picking up the. You go downtown, they're picking up on the Wi-Fi. Oh yeah, anywhere there's Wi-Fi, they're connected. Then, you know, that's the. I think that's the difference between, you know, our little Game Boys and shit we used to carry around, and sure. and, and the phones. Yeah, you know, because they're and they're smart. They're you know, kids are way fucking smarter than we give them credit for. And they're like, okay, so I know if I stand here, I'm going to pick up Wi-Fi from the coffee bean, right. and I can do whatever I want. I can stream, I can, right, I can right. yeah, you know, there's just. You know what's funny? We were talking about, um, earlier talking about toys and kind of how they've changed or whatever. My kids are in this phase right now where they're really, really into um, poppets and uh, simple dimples or whatever. Are you familiar? I am not familiar with poppets or simple dimples. They're basically these little, the poppets are like silicone mm-hmm type of things and it just has all these dots and you just push it it's like a like a concave oh uh-huh, yeah so you just pop it yep in and out okay it's like a sensory thing they are oh, totally, oh yeah like a sensory toy sure exactly in fact that's at first when they first started obsessing about these things i'm like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> like that just that's fucking it? pushing these things that's what <laughs> that's play that's what play is yeah. to you and so I was, I was um, flabbergasted by it. Actually, I was really confused. And, uh, but I also, you know, they're into it, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking some up, going to get some, you know, and I start realizing that they're, you know, they're on s- toys that are sensory spectrum related. Mm-hmm. There's anti-anxiety. There's, yeah. uh, you know, all these qualities and aspects to them. So I was like, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't see how this is fun, but whatever. If it brings them happiness or joy or, you know, peace. Well, it's like the fidget spinners. Yeah. You know. So they actually have those fidget spinners with the dimples on the ends of them now, oh, too. Really? Right? So oh, really? Oh, oh, yeah, multi-purpose. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're hardcore about those things right now, and I, I couldn't wrap my head around it, but I was like, whatever. You know what I think it is? Like when the fidget spinners came out and that kind of shit? 
I think that I don't want to sound like an old man, but I'm gonna sound like an old man. Kids these days don't know how to be bored. Right, right, right. And and so if if they're in this state of boredom and they're not they don't have something to do, they can't handle it. It's right. it's it's too much. And so Someone is like, well, fuck, if I can make a million bucks by giving kids who can't handle being bored something to do. Well, I think that there's also a, it's made me kind of reflect a little bit more on what it is that, what world my kids see, because Mm -hmm. it is different than what I'm conditioned to. I mean, I may be living in the same one as them, but my perspective is certainly a few feet higher. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And the... Anxieties, depressions, mental health uh, issues—all these things—the the speed at which life exists for them at their age mm. is way beyond anything that you know. I don't even like. There's an immediacy to it all that they expect. Yeah. Yep. That we can say we can identify, and we can fall into those patterns too, and say, "Sure, we, oh, we yeah. expect that yeah. as well." But we can also say, oh, wait, fuck this. I'm a person. I own my time. Fuck mm-hmm. you. Yep. You know, whatever. So we can take our moments if we need to. I don't think that they are aware that they can. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that those sorts of things, <clears throat> um, like it's like subconsciously mm-hmm. just pacifying them. Yeah, it's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so to me, I'm like, whatever, if you're into it. and And it also... You, you find joy and happiness when you get one, mm-hmm. <laughs> when you get yep. a new one. And, oh, this one's shaped like an Among Us character, and this one's a fucking dinosaur. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, there's that aspect to it, the colors of them. Uh, some of them pop louder than others. Um, the uh, Man, I just got them, these ones that are bigger. They only have a few, but they have, they're much larger. And I got to say, I played with that one for probably a fucking hour myself <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. the other day. <laughs> just back yeah. and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, my mom has a couple of them like that. It's just like a circle one. Yeah. And we were over there for her birthday dinner, and I was just sitting on the floor, and I picked it up and just like, boop, 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 boop. And Then you start doing it in patterns, and yeah. then suddenly you're just infatuated like, no. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting uh it's like a little it's like a little mini escape. Yeah. Yeah, cuz yeah. when you're doing it, you don't you're not processing all the extra shit that's going on outside. I'm I'm actually curious to see what the incorporation is in the school systems with these sorts of things cuz I know that they did a lot of they had a lot of kids that were having issues just sitting still. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. And they were bringing in the balls and you know like doing yeah. the different things to try to um you know give them that sense of relief mm-hmm. or whatever without being like, just go run, yeah. <laughs> yeah. run around the entire school and come sit back down for 10 minutes and run bring again. your own sensory device. Yeah. Well, I, I do think that there's going to be, you know, like in middle school, they're like, all right, you can chew gum in English class. now. Oh, reading test. Right yeah. There. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I feel like it's going to be one of those types of things. It'll be like, mm-hmm. all right, reading time, <laughs> get out your fidgets or whatever the fuck. So yeah. there's this study came out that the, that the middle school and high school have started to follow when they're doing these big renovations and all the walls between classrooms are glass. Oh. So they can see people in other classrooms. And for some reason, somehow, some way, somebody told them that that was going to be better. And I am really curious, as my middle schooler is getting ready to go into middle school, 
how that's really going to affect. Because for me, that would fuck me up. Why I would they not think it would be better? I don't know. Oh. I don't. I don't understand it. I like. I just. I've just heard that the walls are glass. Like in our middle school here. Yeah, the new middle school. I gotta go look at this. Yeah, I've heard that the walls are glass, so then you can see other teachers and other classrooms. You can't hear them, but then other kids. And so that would be distracting as hell. Well, and also, (laughs) I definitely would put my face against it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Put my mouth up and blow and, you know, the whole uh, puffer fish thing with my face and um, would not do that to a regular wall. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A glass wall for sure. Yeah. Well, because, you know, you're being seen. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know what it looks like on the other side. I'm so curious what I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna be looking looking up the. Yeah, I want to go to the open house terminology. You know when they do the big open house because I want to walk through it. I want to see if I feel like I can understand why this is gonna be better. Yeah, you know it's and at first I was like, where where's all the lockers gonna be? And it's like, oh, they don't have fucking lockers anymore. You know, you have like a little cubby. Because you don't have a backpack full of shit you're carrying around. You just got a, a little Chromebook. Yeah. That's it. You know, it's like, it's, everything's changing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and it's like, I don't want to be, I want to poo-poo it right away, but I do want to understand it. It's like, yeah. okay, l- help me understand how this makes it better. Because I'm not going to say it's not, but I just want to understand it. Because yeah. to me, in my mind, I don't get it. Can you tell me, without a shadow of the doubt, that the person who had this idea doesn't have a brother-in-law that sells glass. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. See, so. my mind just goes to the safety thing. Like, God forbid there's ever yeah. an active shooter, right? Like, yep. you can mm-hmm. barricade your door, but then if he gets in the other classroom, he can just fucking look at you through yeah. the glass. I know yeah. right where you're at. I know yeah. right which desk you went under. Exactly. Well, or, I mean, not that we're living in like a, a, on some sort of... A, you know, not, not a lot of seismic activity in our region here, but <laughs> yeah, you never know. I mean, some mm-hmm. shit could happen, something hits something, and now whereas a wall would, if we hit this, this wall is going to break back to this right, this point support beam, right? right? Yep. But in that scenario, it seems like... I would, I would assume just, the engineering factors would still go into play. Yeah, I'm sure you there's steel, I'm still steel, steel support steel beams. Structural, yeah, and then yeah, the glass yeah. has got to be safety glass. It's not going to be plate glass where if glass did break it would just like shatter into a million little pieces do you remember what it what it was like at the middle school then i, I haven't been in i do there, i guess in a little while but it was like they had those fucking curtains yep that you yep. like the classrooms were those big rolly curtains oh really on tracks on the ceiling yeah mm-hmm. and they put up a wall so you could hear actually hear the teachers in the other room teaching and that that would be distracting and it was it was like it was made of like a sound dampening material yeah. or whatever but i mean you're not gonna eliminate no, it's a, it's it. a freaking curtain yeah. yeah um yeah and they basically would like pull from one side yep. of the room like the outside wall all the way to the wow to the interior I, walls i guess i'd never been in there enough to pay attention yep. and they have like some classrooms like off on the stairwell sides and stuff like that that i think that were you know actual full-on classrooms yeah yeah but I know that in the like the main kind of hallways where they had the social studies department that was in between all of those was that way over in the English department same way mm-hmm. downstairs math and science same huh. way actually it, I don't think science science might have I, I think, think one of lab. the rooms opened in between because it was a lab yep. a shared lab space or whatever but I think a couple of them were their own rooms but yeah I mean it's it, bizarre it needed a refresh is what you're saying. Well, I'm sure it did. I, I it's just, common. It's like 
I'm so curious now. The number of, of students to teacher ratio and, and, and like Baraboo is growing and so we need more space and, and the technology is different. They didn't even have fucking air conditioning there. I remember those days, you know, when it would get hot in yeah. there. Beginning of the school year, you'd have some hot days where it was just sweltering in that building. And it's like, okay, so you got to be able to be comfortable to learn. You know, you don't have to, like, I mean, to a degree. Well, if you're combating and or distracted by all these other things. Right. You know, I I, underst- I can I can see it. Yeah. You know, I also think kids need to kind of nut up and, you know, just. Nutting up is not the same as what it was <laughs> when you were had to nut up in school. It's a. Yeah, oh, that's something else now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I just mean the level of what. Yeah, of, yeah. yeah. Of the, the degree of nutting up is. Yeah, yeah. Um, their experiences are are different. They don't. They don't. They didn't experience like the same kind of. You know, um, not that they didn't feel it the same, but it's just different experiences and the level of and depth of the maybe things. Well, even my my older kids when. Um, I remember when we they were they were still you know fairly young when we when we bought our house and it was like uh, we bought it in in August we remodeled for two months did all the stuff and then moved in in October and by the end of that month it had snowed and we didn't own a fucking shovel right yeah it was like oh my god one of the things of homeownership that you just don't <laughs> think you know put a new roof on the fucking place but yep. uh, anyways. I remember being like, well, some kid will come by. And I put some money on the <laughs> on the top of the steps. And I was like, told my kids, and like, if somebody comes by and asks the shovel, tell me yes. A, I would have loved to have just been like, here, get your ass outside and shovel. You know, didn't have one, but whatever. Anyways, no kids came by. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was floored by that because it was like a snow day from school. And I know for me and my friends, by noon, we had already made infinite amounts of money and had already cleared our the, whole the neighborhood. neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. And he, within our, our, our expanded reach. And we were, by noon, we were on our way to the sledding hill. Yep. You know what I mean? And so I'm like trying to, exp- like, we didn't have our parents being like, now you got to go shovel. You, you know, we were like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, but you were, to earn some money. You here. earned your money. Yeah, you know that's the, like I I earned my money when I was little. We we. What made us proud of that though? I think what made it proud of us is that we didn't have any unless we did it. Right. You know yeah. that's what I know. That was my motivation. Was yeah. like I didn't get money. Right. Right. You know it was like if I wanted something, I had to go get it. Right. You know, and after you do that a couple times, it feels pretty fucking good. You yeah. know, there's a level of, of like accomplishment. I did that, you know, but if you don't ever experience that and you got money whenever you need it and you're always comfortable, yeah. why the fuck would you go shovel snow? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's like, this is a good point, I guess. You know, fucking fingers hurt, feet are wet. <laughs> it's like, dad's going to take me to sled hill at noon anyway. I already talked yeah. to him about it, you know? So it's as like, as soon as he gets done shoveling, yeah, that's right. Son of a bitch. That's right. He's, Come on, dad. Are you done yet? <laughs> He's not shoveling anymore either. He hired it out to a professional yeah, guy. Right. You know, it's like nobody shovels and mows anymore. Yeah. It's all these it's all these guys and trucks with services. Like I But it's a wild it's it's such a such a complete shift that I still like 
I don't know. It's like I'd love to try to inspire that, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like do your kids do it? Do they are they interested at all? Well, Asher Asher in a way wants to like he wants to run the lawnmower because A, it's a little dangerous. Yeah. Um B, uh I think to him it's a sign of his maturity. Sure. If I would allow him to. Um and again that goes back to the fact that it's a little dangerous and mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um Ariana is like just to get her to get out of her pajamas is <laughs> in and of itself a, a battle. Um, I did have a lot of really great success with her um, prior. To, she broke her arm at the beginning of the summer, but um, prior to that happening, she had expressed some interest in basketball and whatnot. So we w- went and got an adjustable hoop and, you know, cement mounted a post that we had custom made out in Reedsburg and stuff and, uh, and got them all set up basically. And, you know, I have limits on their tablets and how much time they can, they can be on it every day. And they have the opportunity to earn more time through, you know, just going outside, picking up dog poop, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. just being involved in, in helping with things around the house. And then, but, um, Ari expressed some interest in basketball. So we did all this stuff and then she didn't touch that fucking hoop. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, that's like not a big deal, but it's like 500 bucks and like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, 10 yeah. hours or something of time plus, you know, whatever to get this thing that you express some interest in. Yeah. It's kind of a mind fuck, right? Because you as a father are trying to help facilitate this thing that they shared interest in, but I'm when I look back at my life as a kid, and I'm I'm gonna guess maybe yours was a little similar. Where if you had interest in something, you had to facilitate it for yourself. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, absolutely. And so it, we, I, I always when I do that, it's like I think I'm being a good parent, you know. But then it's like if they're not invested in it, then well, I mean, to, in that scenario, it's, I would never expect her to be able to provide herself or. Or oh, right, I know. Come up with a yeah. you know that yeah. sort of a setup, but at the same time, I just was talking on Friday night about how you know um, Kaya's band will never really understand what it's like to duct tape a microphone to a broomstick mm. just to try to find a dungy basement with your friends to mm. make some music. You yep. know what I mean? They'll never they they just had PA systems and shit around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like you need some monitors, grab a fucking pair. Yep. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. You don't know what I went through to get my first little PA head. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, but but anyways, with Ari, I I decided to set. She asked me for more time, and I told her she could earn it. And I don't remember what what it was, but I was like, I set this ridiculous fucking number. I was like, shoot a hundred hoops, and mm. give me another hour. You know, I'm like she'll be out there all fucking afternoon or whatever. I was with her. So, I mean, I don't trust her. (laughs) 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 But, uh, no, but I mean, I've been trying to work with her on, you know, I'm I'm not like some some baller or whatever, but, I, you know, a little bit about form. Mm -hmm. And I like basketball. I like playing it. So, um, you know, I'm out there rebounding for her and encouraging her and, you know, trying to not let her – get pissy on herself when she misses four in a row or something like that. 
And because uh, that sometimes can be all it takes yeah. yep. to walk away. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, you know, I was just trying to do that. And man, this kid, she, it took her, you know, I'd say probably about 15 minutes to get the first 20. And then she just fucking rattled off the other 80, like, wow, nobody's business. And I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like I should give you two hours <laughs> to have a time back for that. But, um, you know, I'm trying to do things like that where I'm mm. like, I will, I will facilitate what it is that you want, but you need to be physically active, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's a struggle too, because you find, you know, like their mom's mindset on it is oftentimes like computers are bad. Take them away, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I get like, I get that. But the reality is that this is their world. Yep. This is their world. It's not ours. We don't have to get it, but we have to respect them and the space. They're not going to be able to compete in this world. It's their future. It's their future. They need it's, it. It's ingrained yeah. in their life. Yeah. Plus, yeah. holy shit. You, I, I was just reading this thing about, it was like the top 20 uh, millionaires under 30 or whatever. And almost all of them are fucking video game designers. Designers, yeah, they build really? video games, making like, like you look at Epic. Oh yeah, I mean that mm. that all started out of, you know, coding. Yep, and things like that associated with people trying to make their own video games. Yep, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that certainly turned out to be beneficial. <laughs> to, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> to them and everybody else that's ever had anything to do with them. Um, so it's tough, you know, to find that balance, I guess, between. What's a responsible use mm-hmm. versus it? Is it? I mean, I think that's uh, you find that the um, the thing that they're passionate about. If they're passionate about the video games, or they want to learn how to design, help facilitate them to learn how to design, but don't design for them. You know, it's like I feel like there's there's so many like I'm I found myself with my kids when they were younger. I'd be so busy. That I would just like, okay, let me help you do this real quick, and then I'll get you going. Sure, yep, yep, you know, yeah. and and then and then all of a sudden they're bored of it, and it's like, well, what the fuck happened? I just did all this shit for you, <laughs> and it's like, well, because they didn't do it. Yeah, you know, like they you didn't said, get the satisfaction of feeling like they completed something, or yeah, exactly, put the pieces together themselves, or yeah, they didn't make those. You know, they 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 were still figuring out how to make that hoop on their own. Yeah, you know, you were helping them to get there. Yeah, but, you know the fact that she, I imagine it probably felt very, pretty fucking awesome to make eighty in a row. It's like, oh man, holy it shit, was, it was fucking crazy. I mean, I had a rush. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, god damn, whoa! <laughs> Start throwing the ball back at her harder. <laughs> oh shit, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Hope your arms healed. <laughs> uh, Allie, you come on, you got oh, this. Oh man, it was the worst. So she's been in like you know over the course of her life. She's, we've had her dance and gymnastics and all these fucking things. And admittedly, I, I, you know, in hindsight, I look back and I think she's had issues with not participating in these things. She always wants to be involved and we take her and do them and she doesn't fucking do them. She'll sit there and throw fit. And I think, like I said, in hindsight, I, I think that one of the problems is that we would wait. We would sit there. Oh, sure. And allow her to play to this audience. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whereas we should have been like, all right, good luck. Fucking, yep. you know, then, then she's, then she's liable to the respect of the other people, right? Her peers, yeah. yep. right? It's totally different, uh, than, different energy than playing. And she knows how to play us. She's been doing it since you know mm-hmm. day one. Um, 
Maybe even before, <laughs> according to the ice cream and pickles that I have to go get in the middle of the night. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so there's a... I don't know. There's this whole dynamic with um, playing to us or whatever, yeah. you know. So, so I think we should have left. But, anyways, she she wanted, brought it to my attention, went and got the information, mm-hmm. brought it to me on this basketball camp they were doing here in Baraboo, and we fucking signed her up for it. And three hours later, she busted her arm. Oh, oh shit! And I, it was the first one that I was like, you know what? I believe that she will do this. Right. Mm-hmm. Like she's not going to show up there and be like sitting against the wall or pissing him on about the way her shoes fit or, yep. you know, like I really think this is something she's passionate about. And, um, and I think she could really benefit from somebody that actually knows what they're doing mm. <laughs> teaching nice. or something, you know? Yeah. Um, sounds like my younger sister with a pool and my dad. What's that? My younger sister wanted a pool for as long as we lived it as long as i lived in the house and eventually she did all the research she made a fucking powerpoint presentation <laughs> on the benefits of the pool That's and amazing. which ones and it. the ratings yeah. of it and she did this presentation to my dad I wish one of my kids soft. would do that. I yeah. want a pool. Yeah, well, that's the, soft, the softy caved, and he you bought need a to pool. Convince so. me. I tell you what, though, that's one hell of a good way to convince a dad to do something. Oh, if absolutely. you if you're, if you're, showing a, that if you're kind a teenager of, and make a PowerPoint presentation yeah, on it, if you do if you do the research, you put the energy into it. There's nothing more impressive than seeing somebody willing to to yeah. give up of themselves to create what they want. Well, that's to be fair. She doesn't live there anymore, but she still comes every other day. It seems like that's cool. So fucking <laughs> hey, good for her, man. That's awesome. Hey gentlemen, do you mind if we take a quick break? No. Cool. We'll be right back. My, my, my <laughs> stepdad and my uncles were all truck drivers. And he would tell me about the stories of yeah. guys would just, they would just take a torch and they'd cut out a panel right below the driver's seat. And yeah. they would just piss right through the floor. Just keep driving. Yeah, just keep driving. Sit forward. Yep. Lean forward and oh. away you go. It's uh, ingenuity. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, what's the, they say, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Right. You know, you got to take a leak. It's got to go somewhere. And I'm getting paid by the, by the mile. So I'm going to get as many miles as I can. Yeah. In the amount of time allotted for me to be able to drive yeah. or to focus. or. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Huh. It's a that's a racket that truck driving. It's like they uh, those truck drivers get yanked around bad. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, it's it's um like I, I watched this documentary. Um, I have family in trucking, but I watched this documentary where these uh, truck driving schools like, okay, you can earn one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, own your own truck, all these things. It's a great thing. Right. So this woman, she went to the truck driving school. She was a waitress, and she was a single mom. She's trying to figure this out. She's like, okay, if I had a truck with a sleeper, I could take my kids on the road. I could do all these things. And so she went through the training. She paid for the school, and then he sold her a truck. Well, a truck's like a quarter million dollars, you know, and they don't tell you, like, how much it costs, how much of that $150,000 a year you're supposedly getting is automatically deducted out of your paycheck. And mm-hmm. she said she worked, like, eight weeks before she saw her first paycheck, because all the fees and the truck payments and the fuel surcharges and everything. And she said, they're putting people in bankruptcy and then they just take the truck back and they do it again and they do it again and they're just getting paid. Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's rough. And then like they do, they cut the hours 
and I get that for safety. You can only be on the road for so for so long, but in order to make money, you have to push that a little bit, you know. And it's, I don't know, it's not a it's not a gig I think I'd ever want. Is that long haul truck driving shit? Yeah, no, not at all. Mm-mm. I thought it was cool when I was a kid, though. When I was young, I thought it was like a, a dream job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's like you could drive this big ass cool truck. I'm still fascinated by the amazingness of you know what the cabs can be in those things. Oh, like the it's like a house. It, you know what it reminds me? It, it, yeah, exactly. It reminds me of um, you look at like the well, it's an expansion off of the tiny house. Um, Oh, sure. Concepts, it's but like the, it's a lot yeah. of Japanese Original. architecture or whatever, where they get into like the like like not like Japanese like the <laughs> not pagodas. I'm talking about like like Tokyo. making use of small spaces. Tokyo, yeah, like efficiency. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, where you got a, a a ten by fourteen house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean? yeah, with all of your everything in it. Um, but it's amazing to me the the capacity to have have a a working functioning toilet like what they would have in an rv and a bed that's actually comfortable Mm -hmm. television you know like refrigerators like coffee pots you name it all this stuff it's 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 mind-blowing to me yeah you know temperature controlled yeah fucking shag carpet (laughs) what what? tinkle balls (laughs) it's all in there man it's all in there my my mom so uh, my, when she married my stepdad and he'd be on the road, she'd travel with him sometimes. And it was like, she said it was scary as fuck in those truck stops late at night. Because, like, someone someone randomly, like, inevitably it happened to him, come knocking on the door, and they try to break into your truck, try to steal your shit, try yeah. to beat you up, everything. You know, and then you got a lot of lizards trying to make a little extra scratch, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, and it was like she she didn't care for it much at all. But, but she didn't feel comfortable... I think for a long time, just like knowing he was doing all that by himself too. Right, right. You know, so not that he couldn't handle it, but it's like she kind of wanted to be there too. Yeah, just the nerve or the fear of it, though. Yeah, you. I um, I think with semi drivers for me, not only does all the financial aspect of it sound, you know, not really worth it, it the the other thing that I can't figure out. It seems like every time I'm trying to get somewhere and a semi is passing another semi, they can only do it by going the same speed as the thing. That <laughs> <trying to pass>. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to be a person like that. I don't want to be, they don't even have to be like, you did that. You're the particular driver. They yeah. just be like, oh, you drive semi? Yep. I know you fucks. I know how <laughs> you fucks. You spend enough time yeah. on the road yeah. to know. Dealing with that shit fucking sucks. Oh my god! Yeah, but you know you put some miles on when that's here. and you know what? That's Those, the drive. <laughs> they're they're like the gods of the interstate though too because they don't. They can shut it down. Yeah, they yeah. can <laughs> shut it down. They they if you're if you're in the spot they want to be, all they got to do is just start moving there. You're mm-hmm. gonna move. That's just and they know it. Or t- to the same point, I guess uh, when you're trying to get onto the interstate. I can't even tell you how many times this summer alone I've had semis that like refuse to fucking move over even though they could. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yep. I was, 
I had a great acceleration coming out of that corner. <laughs> I was doing all the things like a Mario Andretti would do. And I was coming into this one, and then I had to hit the fucking brakes. Mm -hmm. I had to slow down right at the moment yeah. when I should be zipper merging, integrating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I don't want to be one of those guys. No, would you? Do you think you could like? Be like, oh, I'd, I'd be a cool truck driver. Or do you think you get like sucked, sucked into the system? The other, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> change the like, system from within. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, if I had a chance, I would change things around here. Yeah. The other yeah. the other semi-drivers would hate me. They, oh, yeah. Oh, fancy old fucking... <laughs> with your uh, concern for other drivers. <laughs> <laughs> Just blaring music through the CV. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, hey, guys. You're, you're <laughs> this the, is Derek's show now. We're going to... Host it. I got a good song for you coming up. Super sounds in the seventies. <laughs> You'd get the fuck beat out of you at the truck stop I know, showers. That's, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Like I'm, I wouldn't be the dude. I'd be like, yeah. You get your number for the shower, and then they'd never call your fucking number because they got you pegged. You'd be yeah. sitting there for two hours, like, wait a minute, you didn't call my number. It's like you didn't have a number. What are you I'd talking have, about? I have passenger motorists just unfairly hating on me because they'd be association just alone they'd be profiling me and then my own kind would be turning against me yes yeah. sounds like a miserable existence all right doesn't fine. sound great it's settled i won't be driving semi anytime soon <laughs> <laughs> that's that so ike yeah. you did a road trip lived in a camper van mm -hmm. you tent in your van mm -hmm. could you live in a tiny house absolutely oh yeah you could yep i could I, I've been um, downsizing, and it's – I have things that I, – I, I've lived in my current place for three years, and I have some things that are in totes mm -hmm. still, and those things came from my other house that I was in for 10 years that also remained in totes there. So I'm like, you know what? I'm starting to realize I don't need this shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. And when Kai and Keegan were moving back from from Florida, I was like, I'm. They definitely acquired more things when they were gone. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna have to make room for all this shit. So I I have been getting rid of things. I own a kind of a ridiculous amount of stuff. I have like. Well, you have three thousand Pez dispensers. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> uh, I have. A couple of really big tote bins that are full of like stuff that I use only for the festival that I do mm. once a year. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know what I mean. But yep. it's like I need that shit every year. Yep. Yeah, but only once a year. So that's whack. It's a yeah, it's a weird situation. It, and you, I don't. I'd imagine you rely on it so much that it would probably be hard to trust like a storage unit. Well. Not not necessarily with that stuff, but it's the costs associated with you know mm -hmm. having to get these things. Like, it's part of the reason why I have the stuff because I could just rent it every year, sure, and mm -hmm. not have to have anything to do with it, and probably cost me less than having to rent a storage unit or something like that. But the other thing is that I I knowing myself, I'm if I were to get a storage unit, not just those things, but other oh, yeah, things you'd would fill it up in yeah, yeah. that you'd shit. Fill that it I'd up. have to be unpacking the whole fucking thing to get back to the thing that I originally got it for yep. in the first place, which is, you know. Storage units are just like a fucking vortex of, of bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they are. Because I think I'd feel the same way. It's like once you have it, it's like, 
Oh, you want a new couch? Oh, what are we gonna do with the old one? Oh, we're just putting a storage unit. Yeah, we got a we got the we got yeah. the thing, you know. And so then you pretty soon you're filling it up. It's like, what the fuck are we even have this for? That's where the storage wars come in. Yeah, see, I just I want to be that guy like from the movies who's like the inconspicuous dad who has a storage unit, and then he opens a secret door, and there's just all this cool shit. And like guns, like, yeah, guns, and IDs and gold my, bars. Yeah, man, <laughs> this is my storage unit. Yeah. I didn't know they made a ten by two. <laughs> yeah, it's just like <laughs> you open it up. It's like, wait a minute, it's a little. Uh, this is underwhelming, here. Kyle. And he's like, but just wait. You got like half of the couches in the wall. Yeah, half is on one side of the other. Yeah. <laughs> that's some fucking janky, janky secret cave right there, man. It's like, it's like I know the other half of the couch is back there, bro. You're not fooling anybody. <laughs> You guys been up to uh, uh, Riverfront Terrace in the no. Dells? Dells? Yeah. yeah. So in the in the men's room, they have a they have three urinals, and one of them is never worked. They've been open two two and a half years, mm. and it's for it's just perpetually out of order. And uh, my guys were like, "When are they ever going to fix this thing?" I was like, "You fucking idiot! That's not a urinal." I'm like, I realized. Okay, if after two weeks it's fixed, then that was a broken urinal that yeah, was out of right. order. Mm-hmm. After two weeks, that's a fucking portal, bro. <laughs> <There's> definitely, <laughs> you, that's definitely taking there's, you somewhere else. Yeah, there's there's another purpose for that <laughs> other than pissing him. And it's like the fucking bat cave with the yeah. closed or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I have this weird thing. At some point in one of the houses I live in, I don't care which one it is, I'm going to have a secret door. Mm, yeah, to somewhere. Do you it know, could be to a fucking closet. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. But I want to pull a book or something yep. and open a door. They have one over at the Ringling Mansion. Oh yeah, the Al Ringling Brewing Company. They got a secret door to the secret room. Yeah, yeah. Is it the, uh, is it like the smoking room or like? I don't really know what it what it what's back in there. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, um, but it's. You know where the fireplace thing is, yeah. there, right? Mm-hmm. So right there, that bookshelf right there. Oh, okay. There's a book or a game or whatever up there that you can... You pull it. Mm. Yep. Uh, that's but, fucking but awesome. But I think it it's is. locked, so when you... Like, you can tell that it engaged, mm-hmm. but it won't open the oh. whole way. Because, oh, okay. Unless they have it online. Maybe it was just the times out. I got a buddy of mine who's got a house up on the hill, and his uh, he's got a secret library. And um, it's built into the house in a way where there's a three-season porch in front of it, there's a big living room, dining room right next to it. So if you weren't looking for it, you wouldn't really see it. And it used to have these big, he's got to open now, but it was these two big library bookshelves and oh, they closed sure. right in front of it. And they're both on hinges. So if you wanted to go in, you'd open it up and you just move the whole fucking shelf out of the way. Yeah. And it was, it was designed for you sit in there, you smoke cigars, you drink whiskey, you do your thing. Nobody right. knows, you know, so like, this is where all of my good shit is. And in the floor of that room, there's a trap door that goes into the basement in case you need to escape. Yeah, yeah. See, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's pointless, but it's awesome. It is. It's completely pointless. Because when you get to the base, it's like a, I don't know, it's eight, ten foot ceiling to the fucking basement and there's concrete floor. Like, they never yeah. finished the basement oh, part. Nice. Yeah, you yeah. know, so what do you, what's what's down there? You know, all they had was just like some two by fours. It's my up. secret room. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the safe um, house. We don't speak of what happens in this room. <laughs> <laughs> I had an apartment actually on, um, <clears throat> up on 8th Street. Or Eighth Avenue, across. Um, do you know whatever the places where they do the newspaper stuff now or whatever? It's like 
Kapner Motors is right on the end there, and then there's... Oh, yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about, yeah. Is it a title place or something like that right next to them? But anyways, that house that has a driveway that goes... Yeah, that's actually, it's a, it's, a, it's a law office. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, so anyways, that house, though, that the first house... The white one there? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a three three-story. Mm-hmm. I lived there for a while, and on the second floor, uh, in the bathroom, you open the bathroom closet, and if you push the shelves up, the back wall pushes in. And then there's a room that's, it's about as long as this, and I would say probably four feet or so. Okay, so four by what? Ten. Fifteen? Fifteen. Yeah. Probably four by ten about. Okay. But yeah, and and the shelves are just like, they have these tack boards, and then the shelves just sit on them. Uh Uh-huh. But if you push them up or even just reach through and push the fucking back wall. It opens up. Really? Yeah. It was super cool. My um my friend Tommy and I were back in the back at this undisclosed period in my life. Uh, we're like, perfect. We're gonna grow marijuana in here. <laughs> and my friend Matt wanted to uh, my roommate actually wanted to make his own beer. This is before home brewing was like a, a an accepted practice. A thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was kinda like, Oh, you're gonna poison everyone. But um <laughs> <laughs> did he? <laughs> no. Pretty sure we did with the fucking trying to grow weed in there. But with not proper ventilation and you know <laughs> so like wait, we didn't consider all these other factors. But anyways, I was I we always kind of considered it the Anne Frank room. I was a I was just twenty one at the time and we had like bean bags and black lights and shit in there, mm-hmm. and so like it was our apartment. It's not like we couldn't sit in the living room and smoke, but we'd still be like, "Let's go to the secret room." <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Is, that's that's what it's for. The landlord comes by. Not likely he's going to go through the all the commotion to get back there to walk into that room and see where our bongs are kept or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it was yeah. it's a better alternative than just leaving them in our living room because if he walked in there, yeah, it'd be an issue. Yeah, you know. All those houses that had the second floor with the slanted roof, there's always that that pocket between the roof line and the wall because you had to have a vertical wall to put your shit against. Those are always like the secret cavities, and they're they're so long because they go the whole length yeah. of the roof. And I remember like when I was a kid, it was always super fucking scary in there. Like that's where the monsters live, you know. Like and then as I got older, it's like this is cool, you know. Yeah. But when I was little. It was like, I was just like, oh, well, I got to put something extra against that door because some <laughs> yeah. shit's going to come out of there in the middle of the night and get me. Yeah. You know, because like you'd open it up. My brother would be like, don't make me stuff you in there. You know, that was like the threat. Like, yeah. I'm going to stick you in the walls. And it's like, that's bad things happen in the walls. Yeah. <laughs> you know. According to Poltergeist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's some scary shit. According you know? to Carol Ann. <laughs> when, I was, when I was little... My aunt, so my grandmother had this house. You know, you go into a, a basement of the house, and it just gives you the fucking creeps. Yep. There's just, like, there's a factor when you go in there. And so her house is like that. And uh, it had these weird little rooms, and they were all blacked out. And it was, like, this crazy the, chipped up. The lights up. never really lit up. No, they flickered. <laughs> they always flickered, you know. And it's just, like, it's, it was rough. And there was this there was this weird closet in the back that was all made out of these big boards, right? And they are nailed in there with big-ass nails. And it had a huge door with a lock on the outside. And it was like, my aunts told me, well, the little boy that used to live here, his dad caught him smoking one day. So his oh. dad bought an entire carton of cigarettes and put him in this room and locked him in there and told him that 
he couldn't come out until he smoked every single one. And he died smoking those cigarettes. Yeah. And so I was deathly afraid my whole life that I was staying the fuck away from that room because there was a ghost of this little kid stuck in there. And we do that yeah. to our, you know. Did I tell you when we were looking at houses when we first moved back to the area? We, t- we were going through all these houses. We had kind of a limited budget. So we were kind of looking at these older, little bit rundown houses. And uh, we got into this one house and the realtor's like, there's a basement. And like, like, do I have to fucking go down there? Because yeah. I don't want to. And we walked down there. I'm like, we're not buying this house. I can tell you that right now. Because <laughs> I'm afraid to go into the basement. Yeah. So fuck uh, this. Now, do we get money off if you take the ghost with you? <laughs> yeah. We need to. No, there's a bonus. You get. They throw in a clearing. Yeah, I was going to say, does the cleansing of the spirits come with the purchase price? Yeah. You, you know that's a good deal. You know. It's like when, the, when it's, let's list it on the MLS. It's interesting <laughs> how um, that kind of that transition in. Uh, our mindsets or whatever. I I actually just started writing this piece not too long ago, and I could tell that it's like it's a more it's a more together piece than what I've been able to put out yet. Mm-hmm. So like I there's so much more many layers to this onion than I've than I've even started to hit. Um, but I know it's there, and I can you know you can I can usually tell when I'm writing a good song or when I'm on something mm-hmm. that's. It's good, and this is a whole other level, like conceptual level of stuff. So, so much so to the point that I even bought a, a website and social media um, handles for it. But it's called uh, Me and the Ghosts, and it was kind of like, I mean, it started out it was just the the you know the simple thought of like I'd gotten home late, and you know I was just sitting in the house, completely quiet where I live. There's really not a lot of other, you know, people around or whatever in this old ass house and listening to it settle Mm -hmm. creak and just like all this, like the house was just talking a lot that night. And, uh, you know, I was, I said something, well, it's just me and the ghosts tonight or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I was like, you know, uh, I appreciate you letting me share your space or whatever, Mm, you know, thanks, thanks for letting me be here. And, so like I had, um, I can't remember her name right now. Who's the lady that does the bike tours? Oh, Shelly. Oh, Shelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. she was, she, her and I were talking about this thing, and and somebody else was like, "Oh yeah, there's ghosts here and this and that," and freaked out. I was like, "I was like, well, you shouldn't be worried." And they're like, "What are you talking about?" And I was like, "That ghost had a problem with you. You'd you know, you'd already be fucking done for. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, like so." consider yourself lucky i guess yeah. you know and they're like never thought of it that way and i was like i did in fact i've become friends with my ghost. Like, like, what do you guys need you know like guys think we should smoke the joints today or? <laughs> you guys feel like a little secondhand toker yeah. i'm gonna leave the coffee in the pot this mm-hmm. afternoon and you know it's just random stuff like that where it's just like i well, like, well when we bought our house um they had the guy, they, we didn't buy it from the guy who originally built the place we bought from the next people or whatever, but the guy who originally built it was an older cat, and mm-hmm. him and his, his wife had passed away, and then he passed away or whatever. But his name was on these little placards on the back door and the front door, mm-hmm. on the mailbox and stuff. In fact, his his name is, his placard is still on the front mailbox. Because I was like, this is this guy's house. like, mm-hmm. yeah. And there had been talk about the place, about 
them still living there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, uh, hey, man, uh, we're going to knock this porch out of here. Hope you're cool with that. <laughs> like, yeah. you know. Yeah, like, having a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah That's just, just like, good energy, right? Well, I was just like, yeah. I know that, you know, this was a, a project for you and your wife after you guys had your children out of the house, but we have children and we need to make more room. And, mm-hmm. you know, I hope you understand. And, you know, it, was, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, you know, I was like super serious, like, oh, hope they're all right with this. Yeah. You know, but it was just like a kind of a fun mm-hmm. thought experiment and also, um, you know, just energy probably does linger and whatever so um but it wasn't a fear-based thing at all mm-hmm. right it was yeah respect if nothing else yeah if you i think it, you're, you're leading you're leading with good energy man you're putting you're, you're putting it out there whether it's getting received or not at least you know you're you're putting it out yeah yeah absolutely and i just gotta say i have a whole new appreciation because the way you just said this old cat lived here i'm like fuck yeah these guys rocking yeah. <laughs> yeah man i don't know if i've ever heard someone in like face to face say this old cat like referring to an old guy <laughs> i like it i like it sorry no no why I'm i old. think it's awesome no no it's like yeah that's good um, okay so you're writing a, a song or a series of songs obviously you got the title inspiration by sitting in your house what like when you're writing a song, is it based on just like what you're feeling and your experiences? Do you go in like, do you have an experience like, oh, that'd make for a good song? Or do you? Well, I mean, certainly there's, you know, we uh, we have our own life experiences. We have uh, observational skills and, and just proximity to empathizing with those around us. And even on a grander scale, even, I guess, you know, like I can see people I don't even know, but to hear their story and whatever and, and, and be able to empathize, I think is a really huge component in it all. But there's a, certainly a, a level of um, fantasy or make-believe or fill-in-the-gaps type mm-hmm. of thing with what we don't know per se. And um, uh, just a number of factors. You could never tell. I mean, I, I don't usually sit down and be like, I want to write about this because this happened. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's more than one scenario or you're pulling from different things and they end up in the same song, even though they were really not correlated in any other way Mm -hmm. outside of that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many different potential inspirations and where things can come from. But like in this particular one, um, the, the actual catalyst never really gets talked about in the song it's all these other things you know like i at no point do i discuss the house settling yeah Uh Mm. but it is me walking through the halls of my memories yeah existing with these ghosts of my past and my um you know like energies that we created that manifest this uh thing and and it's you know it talks about coming to the terms of not being in fear but being um accepting appreciating respecting that place that that ghost in my past or that Mm -hmm. um you know or like with with jack Ern, um i never knew the guy but we talk yeah you know Mm -hmm. what i mean right Mm -hmm. um 
so it's it's a lot of that stuff sure and, and then that kind of lends itself into just more like so there's you come with these concepts that, that hit you hit me and make me think like wow that'd be a really neat thing to to delve into there's a lot a lot of layers here we can, we can yeah. explore and this can you know double meanings and things like that right, you know? right so um i think that's where a lot of where i get into things now there's still a stream of consciousness oh that for comes sure up sometimes too where you just rattle off whatever do you do you write with other people often um not as much lately i was when i was doing the nashville thing all the time i was it was all about co-writing there mm-hmm. uh that's a, a model that you have to learn to accept and 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 work within if you want to have any sort of success in in publishing in nashville um but to that regard, Nashville is while it's loaded with incredible talent, it's also flooded with mediocrity. And um, there's, you know, we I had a lot of issues because I was writing with BMI, and they they'll have spaces where you can, you know, check out the the this room on this house uh, on Tuesday, and you can then register for to to reserve the porch um, writing space. So they have these houses that, that mm-hmm. are, or spaces, facilities, whatever, that are set up in different ways to accommodate X number of writing rooms, basically. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I was like, well, shit, I hope I'm feeling inspired. I hope I'm feeling creative on Tuesday right. at 5 or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, yeah. It's not, I don't, I don't approach things in that, this kind of that mathematical equation we were talking about earlier. Uh, that's just not how I how I operate. So, um, so when I would go into these writing sessions, that sometimes, and I, I worked with a lot of people that were really great too. So I'm not trying to make it sound like it was all shit, but but there, but all it took was one or two big giant fucking turds to make it all shit mm-hmm. to me. You know, what yeah. I mean? mm-hmm. And that was uh, like people showing up with this like notepads with words that test well. And they don't right. even have oh. a fucking instrument or a melody line in their head to utilize these. They don't have a concept. They want to use them. They just know that these test well. That's doesn't feel. I anything. was like, I'm right. I'm gonna fucking beat the shit out of you right now. I want <laughs> you to write about it immediately after it happens. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get some passion out of you. Yeah, yeah you fucking piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, it was offensive to me, and so I don't. I don't generally write with a lot. Of, I'm not opposed to it, um, but most of what I've done and what I do. Most of anything that anyone will ever hear and know was me uh, by myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not by ego or like need to or anything like that. It's just the way it works no, out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For sure. Obviously, there's a, a level of vulnerability too with that. Like if you write a song and it's pretty deep or it's revealing on some aspect, you're putting yourself out there. Do you find it like if someone actually listens to the lyrics? Do you have to then deal with a lot of people like, oh, are you okay? Or do you want to talk more about that? Or maybe like your, frankly, your kids, if they heard it, like, dad, what was going on there this well, time? Or, I mean, my music in general is, I mean, it's pretty depressing stuff. Yeah. A lot of it is not. <laughs> I is, love it, frankly. Yeah. So. No, yeah. Well, and it's really interesting because I think, you know, I certainly have, you know, a, a place where depression exists within me and, and, these things and I'd struggled with some of the stuff, especially when I was younger, uh, coming to terms with it, but sort of like the ghost, uh, it's, I accept the fact that this is a part of me 
and I just try to find ways to chat out in a proper way. So if you actually sit and talk to me, I'm not fucking woe is me. I'm not moping around. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But part of that is because I had the opportunity to purge that shit because I found a way to channel that into something that is a positive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now you can celebrate it. Right. So like, um, and, and I mean, it's actually sometimes hard to channel it back after the fact. Okay. So like, um, we'll take a song like hurricane heart, for example, was written while I was kind of going through some shit and I just like really poured some, some stuff into it. It wasn't a great time of my life, but I was able to write about it. And, um, Turned it into a song, brought it to my band. They fucking loved it. We recorded it, put it on our record. It got radio play. It's picked up more radio play in different markets and is sold like a a sync licensing thing in fucking Malaysia. Um, Really? Yeah, super weird, man. That's incredible. It's insane, too, what you can track now with analytics and, and where some of these things like... Like, we had these pockets of fan bases mm. that were like, how the fuck did anybody there ever <laughs> hear us ever? You know what I mean? Super uh-huh. weird. But anyways, my point is is that um, through taking this bad experience and being able to write about it, um, I think it's, and it's the being vulnerable and being honest that made it connect maybe. Sure. With people. Absolutely. And it's like, I can relate to that. Um, I get, you know... I don't get checks anymore because I, uh, it's just direct deposit. But I mean, I get paid, and I have friends of mine. And I wrote that song a couple years back now, and I'll like just earlier this month. I had a it was playing on Triple M in Madison, and a friend of mine sent me a photo of their car stereo where it had mm-hmm. our name and all that shit pop yeah. up or whatever. And they're like, oh, "I always fucking love it when I hear you on the radio and stuff." And it's um. I don't know. So then we're playing it live and everybody knows the words. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm smiling right now. Yeah. yeah. I shouldn't be. During this painful. Like, trust me, this is horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's a really strange, you try to channel that, that feeling and that energy just to maintain an authenticity to what you're trying to present mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, entirely grateful and fortunate and like i'm so happy all this horrible shit happened to me (laughs) well it's so (laughs) interesting like i i feel and i I can't speak obviously to the artist side of it but as a listener like if you listen to a frankly depressing song i feel like there's there's kind of different mindsets on listeners like one might be i'm depressed and this makes me feel better because i can connect to someone and then there's someone who's like i'm depressed and this is going to make me more depressed because it's real. And so I'm curious on an artist standpoint, if you if you're singing a sad song, do you dig yourself a deeper hole? Like you hear artists all the time, right? I'll give the I'll give the example of uh Lincoln Park, very well known band, right? You listen to those lyrics and mm-hmm. they Torture. they are they yeah. are hard. Yeah. And clearly the lead singer killed himself. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine after singing that in that same songs day in and day out and reliving that day in and day out, he couldn't escape it. I mean, certainly one, one perspective, uh, potential viewpoint on, but the other is that what if he would have done that 20 years ago and found a way through his writing right to, to release or balance it. Um, 
we'll never know in those scenarios. I mean, and I think it's different with not just with everybody, but with every scenario. I mean, each each sort of thing. I have a bad habit of self sabotage. Mm -hmm. I have a bad habit of when I am in that place where I'm writing a song and it's like this thing happened, but I don't have enough shit to say about it. I got to dig up some memories of some shitty shit. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so it's weird to, and I don't do it. Like I'm not, I don't try to do it. I've been able to analyze myself enough in hindsight type of thing. Like after the fact, I can be like, yeah. oh, you know how I, oh, I fucking did this again. I see what I do. I see what I'm doing here. God damn mm-hmm. it. You know, like setting myself up to have scenarios where I know I'm going to agitate somebody and it's going to come back and have to be a fucking thing where I get shit on because I set it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Super weird. Um. At the same time, um, you know, to I also like to I like to let songs be what they are to other people too. Like whatever I wrote this song about, whatever it meant to me, I can be very literal and tell you exactly every fucking detail of it, or I can just paint kind of an abstract. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you're more than welcome to care or not care about it at all. But it tends. I find that a lot of people who connect really heavily with a lot of my songs don't do so from my viewpoint. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, they have their own license right. to put yeah. it through their own filter. And it's not my fucking right to tell them they're wrong well, either. Absolutely, yeah. You know what I mean? Whatever it means to you by that point, uh, as soon as I'm done with that song and it's played or recorded or whatever, mm-hmm. it's not mine. You know what I mean, I mean yeah. it wasn't mine before, really. I mean, I I feel very, very much like conduit in the sense that I just um, I'm just open to receiving and cl- laying it down and clarifying what it is or whatever in some digestible means. You know well, and I mean? your your past has created you as that conduit, having the experiences and and suffering through the pain that you've dealt with makes you open to receiving. I feel the same way. Like when I, when I sit down with somebody who's been through a traumatic childhood, it's like, I can, I understand, you mm-hmm. know, and it's just like, that. then it's like any of the shit that came through me, I can give that to them. And just like, it's not me. It's just like the energy that's coming through. Right. Right. You know? Yep. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> like I said, I mean, I, I really feel incredibly blessed i feel super super fortunate and you know you could if you were to take the bulk of my material you'd be like holy shit is this guy gonna be all right right do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but it i am and it's because of that it's my ability to to process that stuff i mean shitty shit's gonna happen to everybody we all have things that affect us now is it do we have a right to say that what one person's major speed bump is invalidated because somebody else physically doesn't have food or something like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, we don't get the right to compare what levels of trauma or negativity exist to, to somebody else and their experience and how it affects them and how they feel about something that we might view as superficial or whatever. Um, so I don't know. I think being just being able to process things and being able to to write and share and allow other people to interpret those things however they need to 
um, it's kind of my main goal without actually actively yeah. pushing it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I feel as much as an observer <laughs> to the, my own shit as anybody else. You know what I mean? I'm just like, wow, that was neat. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I've had I've had some negative shit happen in my life, and and even even with this, uh, you know, I struggled trying to sleep for shit last night because of my, my insulin pump thing, and <clears throat> I have so many negative things that have come along since I've become a diabetic. But that um, that's still just a part of this greater thing, and it all still amounts to like I'm not I don't feel. Like I've been, like it's some fucking target on me. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean, yeah, <clears throat> it's an unfortunate situation within an otherwise pretty awesome fucking existence. You know, what I mean, I've had I, I'm shocked when I take stock of where I am at my age and all the shit that I've already done, the places I've got to go, the people I've got to work with and meet, and uh, it just floors me that that. You know, just because I dedicated myself to something, right, right. Um, and I have a, <clears throat> I have a really strong opinion or feeling that we're all prone towards one or two couple things that are definitely our, our passions or our, um, you know, calling, as it were. And I don't think there's any one thing per se, but I think that there are a few things like in primary, secondary, maybe, and they may shift even, you know, back and forth or whatever from time to time. But, and, and it sounds weird to say this, but like there really is somebody out there who like fucking has come up with a better way to clean a toilet or, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. I swear to God, I'm not saying that in a, in a negative way. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. the, all the advancements in anything that we do is somebody who gave into their passions, right? So all the best things that we get are somebody who, was willing to forget about everything else except this thing that I need right. to, I'm compelled to, you know, dive into. And um, so I think that there are a lot of people that get to be my age that, you know, they got it beat out of them through high school by their guidance counselors. They had it. Oh, that sounds fun, but. Right. How are you going to make money? Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. And so, they did those things, they sacrificed whatever, they, you know, neglected whatever, and then they end up in this place where they're like, holy fuck, here I am halfway through my wife, my life, and my, like, I'm successful at this thing. Right. That means nothing to me. Um, yeah. I've denied my ability, I've denied my passion to the point now where it might be too late for me to ever really get into it or get the most that I can out of it. If I were to stop everything right now and pour it into it, I'm still only going to get halfway there, you know, and those sorts of things I think contribute to depression and a lot of, a lot of midlife crisis type of scenarios. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you see these people splitting up, um, you know, after being married for 20 years or whatever, and they're like, I need a fucking different life. I need, I I fucked up. I didn't do the thing, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just regret. Um, so I think that if more people were allowed themselves the opportunity, and and, and amazingly, like I kind of talked on the, on this earlier about how like the waitress that was off work is suddenly picking right. up a guitar and we're all on the same page again. Well, yep. That's fucking great, yep. too. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Like I had to work a little harder and a little differently to change the. But that's my own 
direction. Yeah. Yep. This person now is finally doing the thing that they've been denying themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So that to me is, uh, it, it. I think that's where true growth and progress comes from. Um, internally, as a community, as a society, really, you know, uh, any of the, like I said, any of the stuff that I think is the best that we have is because somebody was willing to go for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Someone was willing to make it the best. Yeah. 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 For like, sure. For, for not for the purpose of like changing the world, but just because they couldn't stop thinking about it. So as a, when we're younger and we have all this time on our hands that we don't know what to do with, and we have these passions that we're looking for, and we have people older than us telling us, well, find something you're good at, you know, find something you can make money at so you can be stable and you can have this thing, this dream. It's, um, everything is firing so much faster and so much cleaner when we're young that to, to, to the amount of energy it takes just to pick up a guitar again after you're 37 years old and a waitress and that's all you've ever known right. is incredible. Right. You know, and it's, and it's that much harder and more difficult to grind through and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And it's like with education, I was talking to my son Connor and he said that, uh, there are some places where I think he said it was in Portland where they're dropping some of the high school classes that they've had for years because they don't apply. They don't actually help you develop as a, as a, as an adult, as a human. So more electives, more things where you can dig into who you are, which is, that's a lot of the Montessori model, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's basically it really like is. aptitude-based uh, education where you figure out. Now, the funny thing about that, I think, is that, so I say I want to do this, and now somebody else is smart enough to say, well, did you know that math is going to be a huge part of that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know yep. what I mean? Did yep. you know that you're going to have to understand the way water flow works? And, you know, just like... um. I know there's certainly many things where I was like, this isn't ever going to fucking matter to me. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I wish I'd pay attention to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I sure. mean? Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean, yeah. And there's, I think it'd, it'd be, I like the idea, you spoke of Montessori, there's the Waldorf schools, there's an, an opportunity for people, for kids to dive into something and, and give it their full attention. And, and, and you can figure out pretty quick. I think if you allow yourself to do it, if this is for for me or for you or not, you know. And interestingly enough, sometimes I think all it takes is even just to brush the experience. Like, um, I don't know, like the idea of, like when we do the Music Week stuff, when we were doing that stuff up at the middle school, is like they you do look at people on a stage in a different way and then like you see you get off stage and – Wow, you know, mm-hmm. it's a normal, normal fucking person. Yeah, just doing normal things. But um, there's we we in our perception we we build these things up in our minds, right? And and once like I, the biggest thing to me was being like, hey, you know what? Yeah, we've done this. Yeah, we've done that. Yeah, we did this. But I used to sit right there every day for lunch detention. <laughs> or whatever <laughs> or whatever <laughs> but you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. it's it's uh 
And then you and then you hand them a guitar and they strum it and they sound like shit, but they just got to feel those strings vibrate. Yeah. And they're like, wow, that sounded kind of cool mm-hmm. or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's, sometimes it's just putting somebody in a scenario where you take away the mystique for yeah. them. Um, and they might not hit the passion right away, but the fact that they make the realization that they could yep. walk this path. Or yeah, he's a person. Yeah. He's, he's, he's just like me. I think that stuff's really cool. When you take away these barriers that we, we and society, you know, our parents, our guidance counselors, whatever, mm-hmm. can create these barriers within our minds that really don't exist. Right. You know what I mean? So to, to be able to knock that illusion out of the way and be like, you can fucking do anything, really. Yeah. You think that that's one of the biggest detriments to kids growing up right now and, and then being able to tap into their creative sources is, is like not feeling like a... a they can connect with it because they don't have anybody that can say it's all right. Like the person who's already there, they can dream of them. They can put a poster on their wall. They can list their music, but it seems unattainable. Right. And, and another aspect to that too, I think, you know, I think we can all agree that, you know, teenage years are awkward and, <laughs> and kind of difficult anyways. You got yeah. so many different directions oh, yeah. you're possibly your attention is pulled into. So to be able to, to narrow that down in some capacity is I think difficult, but the other thing is that you have, when when it comes to writing at least, uh, I think your ability to be honest is severely compromised by your concerns about what your peers are going to mm. say or yep. respond or Absolutely. how they're, sure. they're going to feel. And um, so then you find people who are writing what they think people want to hear mm-hmm. or whatever, but, but they're still writing. And they're still learning that they can write. Yep. At all. So, I mean, it's like when we work with these guys, I've, I'm like, I don't like what's happening here at all, except the one thing that is that it's happening at all. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I so know. It's a yeah. strange, uh, I you're, you're finding the, the, the gold in it, you know, amongst all the, all the shit that's around it. I just you know? recently got a, a lecture about what it means to be a Libra. Cause I'm a Libra. Apparently. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm not, uh, I, my response was, you know, I don't really believe in the, a lot of this stuff um, because I've never read a horoscope that's like, oh, you're fucked today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're always coming su- into FYI, a pile of money. Gonna you're going to find some love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? So I'm just like, I don't know. Some days are just, they got to be shitty. And I, and, but so then I was like, and explaining how they have to be shitty. I have to have shitty days because I, I appreciate the, the negativity. I appreciate the, the it can't all be good and they're like well that's libra that's the balance and i'm like oh fuck shit disagree with you i'm not trying to agree with you <laughs> trying to tell you you're wrong you know what i mean yep. but but i i really do um i really do find you know silver linings uh i really do appreciate bad shit mm-hmm. uh negativity i really do embrace like the darker sides of myself uh in a way where i can be like Okay, we. I need to identify you. I need to know. Um, you're not. I'm not scared of you. Mm-hmm. And you know, you live here, but you're not the fucking boss. Yeah, but you your shadow I mean? self. Yeah, right. but yeah. I mean, but I need to. In order to know what's hot, I must know what's cold. Yeah, and, for sure. And vice versa. You know what I mean? So, so, so in in any scenario, I just about. I mean, unless you're beating a fucking baby. I don't really, I can usually find a, something that could have been 
good about that scenario. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because we're all we're all humans. Yeah. Right. We're all we're all doing you know what we think we can do every single day, and and if we can find a point of relation, then there's understanding, you know. And definitely. Well, and then there's that. But if every day is unicorns, bunny rabbits, and rainbows. Mm-hmm. It it means nothing at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What the fu- who gives a shit about rainbows and bunnies and rabbits? Yeah, that's every day. Yeah. Nobody wants. Nobody really wants to live that life. They. I think people think that that's what it should look like. But uh, we we thrive in the ebb and flow. I think. Yeah. It's. I mean. These natural waves of positive and negative energy or whatever they they all balance. So it's like a magnet. Um. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't know. I. I don't understand the the mindset of like my kids per se or their generation, but at the same time, uh, like I was saying, kind of difference our different approaches with with the uh, the tablet time thing mm-hmm. instead of just denying them it because ah these fucking newfangled right. whatevers. I understand that I'm gone. This is their fucking world. Yep. You know what I mean? So, um, while I'm scared and a little bit, um, I guess, disgusted by what kind of creation we have given them mm-hmm. and our constant battles and left versus right and good versus evil and, you know, um, I think that they're it affects us in a way because it's so toxic against what maybe we thought it, our lives would be like at this point. And, you know, as parents, we all want to provide a better life. So when I see all this conflict and strife, I, I feel that it's really, it can't be good for them. But I also think that it's from their perspective, they're like, wow, these guys fucked it all up. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if oh, anything's yeah. going to get fixed, it's not us that's going to fix it. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. it's, it's us leading by example, a shitty, shitty example. Yeah, to teach and them what not to do as a society, but then us individually as parents who are invested in pointing out certain things. Hopefully, we were able to provide them with the tools to, you know, collectively make all those changes after we're gone. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean, I have faith in. I don't know. It's what I maybe just have to tell myself to be like, we're okay. you know but it's it's a hostile it's a hostile climate out there if you give a shit yeah about you know yeah it's toxic it is toxic you can only go so deep into it you know it's like when i think about these guys at the club these these young men that come in and when you're mentoring students on the stage with music you're just going to kind of you're going to show them the tools you're going to show them how they work but it's up to them to really use them. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but you're doing, you're, you're at least giving them an opportunity to see what they look like. You know, I think if we, I know growing up as, as a young dad, I always wanted to like do it perfect. I want to do it just right. I was going to say, this is how you do it. And if you do it like this and then teach the whole way through, and then I'd look back and be like, well, they didn't learn anything, you know, because I did it, you know? So it's like, I got to back off and just, Give them the, the concept and, and the framework and you let them what? build within that because it's like you said, it's their world. They're going to make that look like what they're going to look like. And you can just say, okay, so here's some tools. Go. I mean, I, 
I've been, I've had my mind changed by my kids refusing to do it my way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you stubborn motherfucker. You know, like, <laughs> in my head, I'm like, why won't you just do it? This is the only way. Or whatever, you know what yep. I mean? Like, I fucked up 200 times to get to this point. I'm trying to save you the 200 times. I'm like, well, I did it right the first time, Dad. You fucked up again. <laughs> you know, there's something yep. like that. There's mm-hmm. moments. There's there's moments like that. And I, I think it really just comes down to a matter of respect. I see my children as their own individual people. Mm-hmm. They have needs that I have to a responsibility for but at the same time i have to allow them the chance to be just to be yeah. to be who they are and you know i i'll never assume that i know enough even <laughs> you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there's always going to be stuff that i don't know there's always going to be stuff that they teach me uh like like this recent fidget fucking thing. Right. You know, like I don't get it, but yeah. starting to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have one in my hands. There you go. That's all you need to do. <laughs> put it in your hands. Put it in yeah. your hands. Well, gentlemen, it's so, about that time. It's at that time. Derek, my friend, if our wonderful listeners think you're the bomb diggity, what, how does it go? Is that the right way? Bomb diggity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I fucked this up a couple episodes ago. Anywho, where are you playing? Soon. Oh, shit. When does this air? Tuesday. Okay. Um, oh, man. I retire on Monday. That's oh, bummer. Shit. In case you guys can't. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I don't know what I... Oh, I know on Tuesday evening... Oh, I think it's sold out, actually. I'll be at Riverfront Terrace on the Wednesday, August 18th. All right. There you go. And I will be at... Tumbled Rock Brewery here in Baraboo on August 22nd. Oh, that's the one right there. There you go. What did that's a August 22nd? It's a Sunday. Sunday. What time? Ooh, he doesn't I'll know. Have to double check that. I think it's a probably a three to six. All right. Go have thing. some go have some pre-dinner drinks. Listen to Derek at Tumbled Rock. Get some good food. Then eat some dinner. Yep. Soak up oh. this beautiful weather we're having. This is gorgeous right now. Yeah. August 22nd, 3 p.m., Tumbled Rock Brewery. That new little stage they got. Yeah. And if yeah, someone wants to find your music, um, I mean, that? we're on, my band is called Old Soul Society, and we have, um, our website is under construction right now, but, um, you know, social media, we have just yeah. any, whatever your preferred forms of social media are. If you search Old Soul Society, you'll probably find us. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. If it's a gentleman's club that's asking for membership, that's not them. Okay. (laughs) Do do I need to do a website? (laughs) Oh, shit. No, I'm just kidding. Change the band name. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. you. Thanks Thanks for coming coming in, Mr. Landman. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you as well. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Much love, and until next time. Peace, y'all. Bye.